Thank you for visiting ChristopherMedia.net. Christopher Media, let's make some noise. From Asmacore Studios near Detroit, Michigan, it's Unregimented. Gangsters, what's up, guys? And now, here are your hosts. It is number 197. I'm Chris. I'm Aaron. I'm Rich. Oh boy, get ready. We're about to rain fire and fury down on your ears. Like you've never seen before or heard like before. Never, or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Well, while we're still here. Woo! But you know, he just stepped it up today. Isn't he on vacation? Yeah. Right. <laughs> I have to hand it to him. Like, this is the the busiest I've ever seen anyone on vacation. This doesn't seem like a vacation at all, actually. Hey, you only have a finite amount of energy, according to him. That's why I mean, it's pointless the to only, take a vacation. So he's not signing shit and then holding it up to the camera and smiling with people standing around. And that's really the only difference between him in the White House and him in New Jersey or whatever the fuck he is now. Yeah. Who, who the fuck vacations in New Jersey? <laughs> I don't know. I've been to New Jersey. It's got to be Southern Jersey. It's got to be down because if he's like vacationing in like the greater Newark area, what the fuck? Well, don't they still have uh, gambling somewhere in there? Yeah, Atlantic City. Yeah, is he? Uh, in, he's probably, that's probably where he's at. He seems like he's an on, Atlantic City type of guy. He's on the Sopranos tour. He's at Satrials and Bada Bing. That's where he's where he's at. I wish he would go on the Sopranos tour. <laughs> <laughs> go on a little. Boat ride with him, yeah. And this is where we dump big pussy, and he's looking around like, "What's with the plastic on the floor? And why is there only three of you on the boat?" Yeah. Don't worry about it, Donnie. Just sit down and have a drink. Well, yeah, I mean he he got a lot of criticism over the fire and fury comment. Um, not all because it was just uh, over the top. But because usually, well, I, I think John McCain, like, he's right half the time, okay? <laughs> I don't know. He's like a coin. You flip him, and, and sometimes he comes up heads, sometimes he comes up tails. He, he came up heads on this one and said, you don't talk like this unless you have a plan. Once you have a plan to actually deal with the problem, then you shit talk. Yeah, well. And meanwhile, North Korea has got, like, a detailed plan of what they intend to do. Yeah, they're going to attack the water at, in Guam. <laughs> well, right. <laughs> they're going to fire some warning shots. But, hey, I'm not going to risk it with uh, warning shots anywhere near this country because they, they don't have the, the best aim, let's say. Hey, man, I, have, I travel out west. Maybe they have to come back east. Hey. <laughs> right. <laughs> Yeah, maybe get uh, reassigned your, in your territory. Yeah. Yeah. Starts raining fire on the West Coast. Yeah, I'll be in New York. But well, yeah, but but it, how fitting these two blowhards going at each other. Like we're we're literally watching a political dick measuring contest right now. I think. Oh shit! What happened? Oh sorry. Can you guys hear me? Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Never I, went away. I, I went away on my on my end. Oh, that's very odd. 
Huh? I'm muted. What happened? <laughs> Only you know the answer to that. I'm sorry. I'm sorry about that. That's all right. You got these two blowhards going against each other. Like, aren't we, we're literally watching a, a, a dick measuring contest, aren't we? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, or I mean, a hair measuring contest yeah. in this case. I don't. It's. it's I mean, whatever. <laughs> what, whatever. You know, like. Well, okay, so I, I don't feel necessarily nervous about this. I don't feel that North Korea is suicidal because, I mean, if we just want to talk about the bare facts of this, certainly North Korea can hurt us, but we can destroy them. Yeah, but... Completely. And remove Kim Jong-il from power, something that Kim Jong-il would not be able to be able to do to us. He would not be able to remove Trump from power. Yeah, but d- d- taking him out of power mm-hmm. without putting boots on the ground means taking out a large port, a part of northern, it's going to sound weird to say, but you get what I'm saying, northern South Korea. Because it's going right, to it's, it's be bombing the fuck out of that, out of the entire north. And a bunch of innocent oh. people are going to die. We're, we thought we had blowback from Iraq. Right. Well, well. Um, I mean, are you talking in terms of an actual nuclear conflict? I'm talking about just going in with a shock and awe airstrike, right? Softening up the area, and then and that's if and that's if he wants to put boots on the ground. If he doesn't want to put boots on the ground, who knows what he'll fucking consider? And Mattis is already fucking Mad Dogs. His fucking asexual ass is chomping at the bit, talking shit right behind Trump. And that is no fucking good. You don't, I mean, that's some saber rattling that I don't want to see. I want to see fucking, hey, hold on a sec, Prez. Pump the brakes for a sec here. You, first of all, never even served. Second of all, no dick about combat. Instead, his head, his head military guy is like, yeah, let's go in there and get him. We'll fuck him up right now. I mean, it's a, it's like some playground shit. Like, hey, man, he just said some shit about you. What do you, what'd you say? What'd you say? Come here, mm-hmm. come here, North Korea. And it's well, I'm certainly. I mean, Trump didn't back down from his from the criticism. And then today he said he was like, hey, man, maybe it was a little too well, soft on him. I have the quote right here, actually. If you want to hear it, frankly, the people who are questioning that statement was it too tough? Maybe it wasn't tough enough. They've been doing this to our country for a long time. For many years, and it's about time that somebody stuck up for the people of this country and for the people of other countries. So, if anything, maybe that statement wasn't tough enough. Sure. Why not? Doing doing what? I mean, yeah, okay, I understand North Korea does some fucked up shit to its own people. And it's not a good idea to be a tourist there, although people still seem to find ways to do it for whatever reason. It's because they're told it, not to. It's how you always said people going to Cuba, you know, through Canada before our, the embargo was lifted. Yeah. It's the taboo of it. Oh, someone told me not to, so I'm going to do it. And then sometimes you end up like out of warm beer. I mean, that's how the beginning of the Bible starts, right? Yeah. Hey, don't eat from that tree. All I want to do is eat from that tree now. 
Exactly. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner is coming from that tree. Like Sam Kennison said, the beginning of the Bible and anal sex have a lot in common. Like, you can have everything but this hole. I didn't even want it until you told me I couldn't have it. <laughs> oh, here, here's the rest of his remarks. This is the, the part I was looking for. He does something in Guam. It will be an event the likes of which nobody's seen before. Okay. What will happen in North Korea? It's not a, it's not a dare. It's a statement. Can we be honest? Let's let's. I mean, I'd like to. I'd really like to put some like Vegas odds on whether he even knew we're connected to Guam in any way before all this shit started. Yeah, and I'm talking about Trump. Yeah. Oh yeah. Right. He threatened Guam. So. Talk to me when he threatens the U.S. Fuck Guam. Mr. President, uh, we, 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 we actually have, you know, relations with Guam and blah, 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 and et cetera, et cetera. It'd be like him threatening the Bahamas. Well, <laughs> I vacation there. We can't have that. Yeah. <laughs> At least when I'm not vacationing Jersey. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? God. No, this is, what bothers me is that his, his, his hardcore supporters are like, fuck it, let's go in, let's put boots on the ground. Let's invade them fuckers. Let's do it. And I'm like, it, 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 I, it, I'm sorry, what branch of the military are you active duty in? How old are you? You don't have to worry about fucking if shit pops off. We think we got fucking stuck in Afghanistan with a, with a quagmire? That Iraq was a fucking clusterfuck? Mm-hmm. You know, Marines got a saying, never pet a burning dog. We'll be petting the fuck out of a burning dog if we try to invade North Korea. But we'll be trying to fuck a burning dog. That will not well, go well. Yeah, but I mean, Rich, how, you sent that uh, that video clip to, through our, uh, unre- our unregimented chat the other day. It was from what's the HBO series called? Generation Kill is that the one? Yes. Okay, and I've never seen the show, but they portrayed. Um, he, I mean, the the guy in the clip was talking about how how basically how anxious he was to actually see conflict and it kind of made me curious to what degree that type of person is represented in the military and i wonder if you had any thoughts about that i mean i know that there are people that will be that if called would be the ones going to be boots on the ground and are like fuck yeah Let's finally get some action or, or whatever. Well, I mean, it's kind of hard to explain that that clip out of context of the rest of the series because you watch the rest okay. of the series and you understand it. I mean, it's it's eight hours long. So, I mean, it's 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 like three movies, essentially. Right. And it, but and it's also, he's also the, 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 the Corporal Pearson, the guy who's who's responding to the <laughs> the letter from the school child, school ch- uh, children in that clip. He's also the smart ass of the group. Like, he's the one that goes around to his fellow, like, ultra-conservative Marines when they're bitching about, like, the young generation. And he goes, in my opinion, it's all these damn video games and gangster rap. And they're like, yeah, I agree with you. And they don't get that he's fucking with them. You know what I'm saying? Like, he's just, he he's one of those guys who lives in the land of irony. Okay. So it's kind of, it's it's a joke, but at the same time, those are recon Marines. And they had already been through Afghanistan. And then they were, you know, they were the tip of the spear to lead the invasion in Iraq. And they did it in armored, well, very lightly armored Humvees. That's not how Marine Recon 
is supposed to operate. Marine recon right. is supposed to swift, silent, deadly, go in, get information, go out. If you fire a shot, usually you've failed your mission. They were using those guys as a battering ram. And the reason they did is because they knew that they're one of the most highly trained military units. I mean, basically, you I mean, you start talking like the elite of the special forces. You have Navy SEALs maybe, you know, that are better than them. In fact, Navy SEALs pull from Marine recon ranks for their, you know, recruits. But they know that they're so highly trained that they can put them in fucked up situations and most likely they're going to come out with, you know, little to no casualties. And so when you are a recon Marine, yeah, that is your, that is your, you know, yeah, you're trained for combat. You're constantly trained for combat. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, when you watch that show, which the actual Marines who were there are in that show. I mean, the the Marines who serve. So, I mean, it's not like this is, you know, secondhand game of telephone that happened. These, you know, they're like, no, this is exactly how it happened. This is exactly how we talked. They're constantly saying shit like, you know what happens when you get out of the Marine Corps? You get your brains back. You know, and they're kind of, you know, they're constantly like, what the fuck are we doing? Where are we going? You know, they, they send them in and they get them lost. And they're like, we're 200 fucking clicks from where we're supposed to be. How the fuck did this end up? You know, they lose a fucking a supply truck with all their food at one point. They're living off of one uh, one MRE per day per Marine. You know, I mean, it's it's just... You have to understand military culture to really get it. And it was just the fact that he ended that with, you know, peace sucks a hairy dick, war is the motherfucking answer. I thought that was like kind of along the lines of what Chris had posted about, you know, fuck it, let's get a nuclear war going. That's why I posted that clip. Right. But I'm going to, well, I mean, I'm, I mean, going to I'm going to tell Chris's you. Chris's comment are, was facetious. That. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. 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 Okay, was, I get it then. And well, I mean, you know, there's a thing. There, 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 are, there are people in the military. Don't forget that. Yes, they want to be there. Yes, they want to kill people. And you know what? Good. That's where you need to be, you psychopath. <laughs> I'd rather have you there than in, in a clock tower at the University of Texas, okay? I, I guess the only reason that I bring it up is because part of me trying to parse the situation between the U.S. and North Korea in my head is trying to kind of feel out where the general population is on this. And I think it's kind of nebulous. I don't think a lot of people really give a fuck one way or another. You know, we got into conflicts in the Middle East because, the well, first of all, the people in charge wanted an excuse. And second of all, the people that, uh, the, the, the voters, wanted something done about Muslims. They didn't care which country got invaded as long as you go over there and fuck some shit up because they can't come over here and fuck our shit up without payback. So that's how that those are definitely very broad strokes of how we get into a conflict in the Middle East, multiple conflicts in the Middle East. If we are actually looking at getting into a conflict in North Korea, we have possible leadership that needs an excuse, which is kind of questionable. I know that Trump likes to talk a lot of shit and wars are always good to kind of refocus a, uh, a presidency on issues that you believe that, uh, that people should be talking about. Got W-2 terms. So, so there's that, but I don't 
I don't know that other than the general blind support for Trump and everything that he does, is there support for actually going into an armed conflict with a country that claims to have a viable uh, nuclear uh, program? I don't. Well, I don't know that there is, but I, you know, I don't know everybody either. <laughs> well, this is. I just. I know that we as a we as a country don't like to do this, but I really think that we as a country, everybody. I don't care your political persuasion. I don't give a fuck about that. Stop. Do your best to remove yourself from the American. Been told to pledge allegiance to the flag, nationalistic mindset for a second. And look at it from, you don't even have to look at it from a different race's perspective if you're, if you're a white American. Look at it from like a, like, like a white European's perspective. Okay, Trump gets elected because he wants to build a wall to keep Mexicans out of the southern border of the U.S. Then he has a travel ban on Arabs and people from the Middle East. Now right. he wants to go fuck with some, some Asian people in North Korea. So you basically have no problem with anybody as long as they're white. I mean, like, at a certain point, it's like, so you just want to fuck with people who look don't look like you. I mean, we're not... Russia... Right, well, Russia, yeah, Russia is... Well, they should be our friend. What's wrong with Putin? We do bad exa- things. He does bad things. We're all white. I mean, why, don't, why shouldn't we all get along? And don't get me wrong. I, he's right for the wrong reason when he said that. Because we have this bad habit of we want to assign the good guys and the bad guys to history when the reality is is there's a lot of bad guys who won and there's a lot of bad guys who lost and there's a lot of innocents who got caught up in the middle of of bad people making bad decisions yeah but but what's astounding about that uh, uh, what's astounding about what he said there about you know America doing bad things as well we're not so good or however he phrased it um, is that it's not the type of thing that you expect to hear from a leader. It's usually the type of thing that you hear from a liberal. And yet, uh, he, he gets no criticism. But that's what that's what is so, so weird about this Trump phenomenon is that you have even when Trump spouts liberal things that you would have criticized if they came word for word out of Obama's mouth you support him on that as well anything oh, this guy does it's the, the idea that for a good majority of his base it seems like it's an all or nothing thing I'm not saying that he's not losing parts of his base but you either believe everything that comes out of this guy's mouth or you believe nothing but isn't that the new climate with everybody and everything? It's all or nothing. Black no, or not, white. Every, not everybody, not everything. That's 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 what they want you to believe. That's what the media wants you to believe. That's why they report report things that way. It's it's the the partisan people, the people who don't give a shit what their party does because when they do it, it's okay. When the other party does it, it's wrong. I mean, well, even. Bill, even- Bill Maher just did this to end new rules on his last episode. I think it was his last episode, where he had Trump's words coming out of a, of an Obama impersonator's mouth. Yeah, and that was great. Was, I loved it. Yeah. And he was like, "Now tell me, Republicans, that you'd have been cool with that? That you'd have let all that shit slide?" 
and really it, it was it was is like i got it i understood it but at the end when he was like and i moved on her like a bitch and i grabbed her pussy and i'm like oh my god dude if obama would have said that like someone would have just flat out called him oh, a spear chucker on Fox News. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we, we gotta we gotta stop this angry black man before he rapes somebody in the White House. They'd they'd have been like seriously like this Negro hey, wants to kill and rape women white at? women. Like they'd have, they'd have played the clip from fucking Blazing Saddles. Where the white women at? I mean, they'd have been hey, all hell with white women at? <laughs> I mean, so it, it really drove the point home and. I even understood his point before. I like I when he was setting up the joke, I knew it was coming, and I understood, I understood his point. But that just well, drove it home. So, but even this conflict with North Korea though gets the black and white treatment. It's an all or nothing game. It's either we have to, you know, man up and be ready to do something to take down North Korea, or they just go on fucking with everybody else around them Amen. and and continue their mission to try and bully the world and it's not that's it isn't like a general it, rule is like you don't fuck with the crazy person like in life yeah i mean like that's just my thing like hey we want to fuck with this guy yeah i know we got well, the firepower but well even when they studied this do we wanna there's uh, there's definitely the idea of the loose cannon being an advantage in a negotiation. And you know, it's it's kind of like it's kind of like the guy who punches himself in the face first before he gets into a fight with somebody so you can show him how crazy he is. <laughs> but those, that's Well, you don't know about me, I'm crazy. Check me that's, out. <laughs> right. But that, so that's both the the leaders, <laughs> the, the two main countries in this conflict. They're both loose cannons. We'll see who's more so I think unhinged. they cancel each other out. I don't know. I mean, I look. I'm no military strategist. I'm no Sung Tzu. All right. I'm not. I'm not Machiavelli. I'm none of them. All right. I, I'll, I'll, all I see if. We make the first move of North Korea. Besides, look, let them run their fucking mouth. Let them have their little fucking shows of force firing missiles off. Until they do something. If we if we are the first ones to go in there and and yet start another war on another preemptive strike, at that point, we are really risking pissing off the rest of the world to where they're going to be like, you know what? Maybe fuck the U.S. seriously. Like I think that's what what really makes me nervous about this situation. You know, North Korea clearly has a plan and has laid it out and presented it. They have a course of action. We have no course of action, no idea of what an end game looks like, no clear cut mission to accomplish anything other than make North Korea stop being assholes and having nuclear weapons. And again, you know, the, the last two conflicts that we got into, same situation. And we're seeing how those have played out. We have no idea what we want from this conflict, what we expect to gain from this conflict, from, uh, from those conflicts or from this one that's being talked about. 
So I don't I don't understand how there can be anything good to come of something that you you have no plan for at all. And the problem is is that you know that once once Trump has, has said to the military leaders, hey look, we're going in. Now we have to sell it. I've made my decision, sell it for me. Those military leaders are going to come out, look dead in the cameras, and lie their motherfucking asses off because that's what they've been told to do. No, we have a plan. We have an exit strategy. And even if they, even if they just, I mean, literally, if their plan is yeah, they knelt down gonna, in the dirt and drew shit, you know what I'm saying? Like They're, they're, they're going to get rummy out again to say that there's known knowns and there's unknown unknowns. Unknowns. And explain to everybody how confusing. And then Trump will say, nobody knew. Nobody knew that war was so difficult. Well, I... I See, Tillerson come back the other day and be like, oh, hey, no, everything's fine. In my mind, we can't make a move until we've been... And I know this is fucked up. I know this is fucked up to say. Trying to act like his drawers broke. weren't brown when he came back from Guam. Like, oh, yeah. holy fuck. They're just starting to blow up the place where I just happened to fucking land. But no, seriously. I mean, it, it, we we have to play the game of you have to throw the first punch. Because if we don't, Man. we're risking we're risking selling an already questionable reputation and position in the eyes of the rest of the world and i don't care how nationalistic how chest thumping how i piss red white and blue american someone is we cannot exist in a world where no one wants to do anything with us no one wants to have anything to do with us and that's our our best case scenario worst case scenario is we're seen as a hostile invading empire because how do we treat historically how do we treat those types of countries like I mean shit. we start world wars over them I mean that's just in the last what 100 years mm-hmm. so we had two of them because of it I mean, we we inherited Vietnam. That didn't go very well. We invaded Iraq on false pretenses. Well, you saw. I'm sorry. Is Iraq much better off than it was before we went in? You bought aluminum tubes. <laughs> Don't drop that yellow cake. <laughs> but I mean, Afghanistan is. I don't even know what's going on in Afghanistan. That's the thing. That's the other thing. We have such a short attention span anymore, and the media has no problem with going yeah we're at we're at war but we're also at day 150 of kardashian gate you know that they'll they'll just throw in there oh yeah we had you know so many wounded blah 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 because it's not vietnam we're not, we're not 40 50 years ago to where the casualties are going to be shockingly high but the wounded the numbers of wounded from Iraq and Afghanistan, we're shockingly high, but we're so trained to where we hear, and 200 were wounded, and we lost five soldiers. We're like, well, I mean, it's all relative, but that's not bad compared to what Vietnam yeah, yeah. was. As long yeah, as we're keeping it in the single digits. But those guys that are at Walter Reed, you know, their arms and legs are blown off, half their head's blown off, you know, shit right. like that. Right, it's not like there's any less bullets flying. It's just that we're with technology and experience. We are 
saving a lot of people on the battlefield and getting them home still fucked up. Yes, exactly. It's not and a matter of... they don't report of, on the wounded the same way. Yes, this isn't a matter of he took a piece of shrapnel in his ass or a stray bullet in his ass, a la Forrest Gump, and that's why he got his Purple Heart. Oh, no, this is... Lieutenant Dan shit. This is an elevated IED went off, took, you know, split the 50... The, the, the gunner working the 50 cal in the Humvee in half, blew the driver's hands off, and blinded and blew the legs off the guys in the, in the passenger and rear seats. But they didn't, all except for the gunner died. The gunner's the only one that died, so that's going to look good in the news. But think about that. Now you're the parent of that kid coming home. Kid ain't got no fucking hands. Kid's blind. Kid's got legs missing. And, and ultimately, at some point, I don't give a fuck how patriotic you are, you're going to look in the mirror and go, what the fuck did, what, what the fuck did my kid go through this for? And by the way, gentlemen, are we forgetting that women are now allowed in the front lines of combat? Hey, equality. Everyone's the same. There you go. How long until you think these fucking, these, these, and you're going to hear it from both sides. Can they get drafted too yet? You're going to hear, well, they have to, supposedly they have to register for uh, selective service, which every male has to do at 18, even though we don't have a draft. So I don't know if they're doing it because they don't really enforce it with, it used to be a offense punishable by jail time if you were a man and you didn't do it mm-hmm. right but i i don't i don't know how much they keep up on it anymore but honestly how long until the far right starts crying and wetting their panties because they're seeing fucking images of women coming home with legs and arms blown off it's war it's what you wanted and then how long until the fucking the 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 the, the people on the left are like oh wait a minute this isn't just baby killing toxic masculinity taking these fucking ieds out there Mm-hmm. Hey. This is this is our this, this is our superior gender women out there and taking this and it's shit. equality. That's yeah. what you wanted. But also, I mean, who says that there are that anyone's going to see these pictures? That there Eventually, are gonna, they, there is going to be any kind of document. I mean, even look at all the the bullshit talk that we've done as as citizens and as politicians, because nobody, everybody likes to talk a big game about how. We honor veterans in this country, but nobody actually wants to support them with their time, dollars, laws, anything else. They can just fucking rot in the hospital for all they all we really care. As I'm generalizing, as the U.S. of course, it, it it's used as a pet cause when you want to get everybody in the room to nod along with you and go, "Oh yeah, he's right." We need to treat our veterans better. Oh, yeah, that's right. No, I equate... When it comes to actually looking at some pictures of somebody with half their face missing, we're like, I don't want to see that shit. I don't want to think about that. I equate how the right uses veterans these days, especially homeless veterans, when when the subject of immigrants comes up, how the right used to use, well, what about Native Americans when the subject of racism came up? Because anytime you heard a black person say anything about racism, you used to hear, like, it was more my parents' generation, but you'd hear, well, if you think you got it bad, look at the fucking Indians. You, 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 don't, you don't even see two of them in the room at the same time unless you're on a reservation, so I shut the fuck up because you got it pretty good. Well, now, now it's switched to, well, well, these immigrants are coming in here. Well, what about our homeless veterans? Yeah, what about them? Why, why do you only care once fucking we're tr- you're worried that immigrants are coming into the country? But you didn't right. give a fuck when they, before Trump drummed up all this fear for you to fucking feel 
and Fox News fed the fire. You didn't give a shit about him before then. And don't act, and just like I told, I've actually had this argument with people in my family. I'm like, don't act like you give a fuck about any Native Americans, because you fucking don't. It's an excuse. It's an excuse because you want to keep your fucking neighborhood white, and you don't want nobody who's darker than you moving in. And so you're going to say, you, do, you don't know what real racism is. Slavery was 150 years ago. Get over it. We damn near wiped out an entire fucking uh, uh, a continent of people with manifest destiny. And, you, and your people are thriving. And I'm like, it's bullshit. It's, it's straw man arguments. It's don't look over here, look over here. Don't pay attention to this, pay attention to this. And it's, that's why I can't take the right seriously. And I know the right supports the military in theory more than the left and all that. But I've always wondered, and one of the things in that, and I, 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 I'm going to go back to it at least one more time, that Generation Kill miniseries and the book itself was that mm-hmm. the platoon lieutenant that the, the writer from Rolling Stone was assigned to, Nathaniel, Lieutenant Nathaniel Thick, uh, Thick he was like a, a, a liberal and... Evan Wright, the writer, the author, actually asked him in an interview, how do you reconcile your liberal you know, ideas and, and, and values with being in the military? And he said, I think the military needs more liberals in it. The problem is, is that it, it, there's only one point of view in this country vastly overrepresented in the military. Mm-hmm. And if you want to change the culture, then the liberals need to the liberals need to fucking step up and put their ass where their fucking mouth is, and sign on the line that is dotted and go join the military and change it from within. And he wrote his own book about his experience in the Marine Corps. I haven't read it yet, but I'm pretty sure it's, it's vastly different than most of the right wing propaganda, aka uh, American sniper garbage that's out there. Yeah, but you know. That's 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 a totally different subject for another day, but it just it worries me and it scares me because I, I grew up around military people. I know so many people that were in the military that are just getting out of the military, et cetera, et cetera. And these are not when people say support the troops, I get I get dirty looks. But I, 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 I stay, yeah, support them on a case-by-case basis because there's a lot of fucking assholes in the military. All right? I don't support any group blindly, the entire group. No. I, on an individual basis, I might support that troop. That troop over there, he's an asshole. Fuck him. I don't care what the fuck he did. <laughs> well, he deserves your respect. He went overseas. I don't give a shit. He's probably a fucking pogue. He's probably in the rear with the gear, rear echelon cocksucker, back there fucking pushing the pencil. And he comes back and he starts talking stories about how he's a combat vet. The only combat that motherfucker saw was when he played Call of Duty back at his fucking duty station. That's it. No one wants to fucking hear that shit. And there's a lot of shitbirds like that, especially coming out of Iraq and Afghanistan. Believe, I mean, there's a whole movement in the military to expose those people called stolen valor because these assholes get out there the worst of the ones that were never in the military and claim they were the ones that are right just barely better than them are the ones that were in the military claiming they saw all types of combat and they never did and unless you know the military you don't know the military mindset and the military mindset is full of contradictions and hypocrisy 
and ironies that would make the average person go, I don't fucking get it. And it's like, that's right, you don't get it because you're not around it. You don't understand it. You don't understand that they're not doing this for you. They're not out there putting their life on the line for us back here. They're doing it because they have a bond with that man sitting next to them. Mm-hmm. That they would die to protect him, and he would die to protect him. And they'll call each other every cracker ass cracker, night fighting nigger. Every fucking war, every every name in the book, they'll call each other. But when the shit hits the fan, they'll fucking put their lives on the line for each other. Right. right. Well, you know, I, I saw the A team. I know how it goes. I think that the the military gets unfairly generalized as being single minded people when the very nature of their job. They have to. the The nature of their job is kill people to save people, right? That right there is something that a lot of people wouldn't do if called to. They're the ones breaking the eggs, and it's because it seems like a complete contradiction. If this life is sacred, how do you know? How does it make it better if we kill this other life? And so how can you not be a, a hypocrite? How can you not... You have to be able to hold two different thoughts in your head. You have to be able to... So like you are saying, you know, you can call the guy that's in your regiment or whatever uh, a racial slur and understand that he's a good guy that's got your, your back like you've got his. Making me want to fire up Jack Nicholson's speech from A Few Good Men. Those seem like contradictory things, but and and they are. You want me on that wall. You need me on that and, wall. And you know, I don't want to get into like uh, a discussion of like liberals are smarter than conservatives. I think that that's also uh, a characteristic, though, that is in a lot of liberal minds. You know, there's oh, what's the the saying? Something about how uh, liberals are always arguing against themselves, basically, because they are—they are not. They, I'm really generalizing here, but they don't tend to be single-minded people. They understand that there's complexities to everything, and that—that's part of why that I old think school in, in 90s this, liberal. I, I think that uh, that's why we're seeing. Uh, this we new we've seen out there. this push to conservative lawmakers because people just want to know. Okay, just tell me what you stand for, and Republicans do that really well. While if liberals' answer is it's not that simple, oh, you're right, it's not that simple. But people aren't going to get that involved. They just want to know, like, are you for white people or not? You know, are you for keeping the Mexican from taking my job? Are you for... No, fuck. And we're back. I think it was something about white people. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm gone off on a tangent anyway. Well, it's, you're but right. Because it's, 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 it's easier for people to go to... Okay. It's a lot easier for, for people to go, what do you stand for to a political party? And that political party goes, we're for not killing babies. We're for preserving the American way of life. We're for a strong military. We're for pride in our country. And we're for putting America first. 
and you just take five talking points along those lines and you can extrapolate from those talking points whatever you want and you're going to get a lot of people who are going to go god damn yeah I'm, i'm i'm for that now here's here's the thing when you when people say that though it automatically implies that their opponent on the other side of the aisle is for killing babies, is against American pride, is right. for a weak military, is for globalism first, you know, or excuse me, not globalism, but putting every other country first, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. That's, and that's just something that right. I, this, I don't this, find true. This idea I, that liberals are all liberals hate their own country like they hate their own race like they hate themselves and think well, that everybody, every other culture is better I, I think I think not to say there hasn't been some wacko liberals out there that do think that that think that you have to swing the pendulum that far the other way and, and be a self-hating white person I think there's because a lot of more all, of that all the, the shit last, that you've done I think there's a lot more of that in the last 15 years honestly oh, and yes. I think I think that that's coming from people who have very little life experience. Most of their they get most of their knowledge from anecdotal evidence that's posted online, and they see that as oh that's proof. Well, that's not proof because you know there's a meme I love to post on all these stories that I see that like you know these feminists and SJWs post about these crazy stories. That, that supposedly happened to him all the time. And what it is, is it's a picture from Saturday Night Live of the guy who used to dress up as, uh, 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 shit, the guy who played James Bond. Your mother's a whore, Trebek. I can't, you Sean know what I'm Connery. talking about. Sean Sean Connery? And it says, yeah, it's a picture of him from the Saturday Night Live Celebrity Jeopardy. It's, and it says, oh, uh, 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 what's his name? Uh, Har- Harmon? What's his yes. name? Uh, yeah, yeah. But it says, uh, I'll take shit that never happened for 500, Alex. <laughs> because because it's, it's the same thing when I, see, when I hear people who are, you know, Christians posting online about, you know, Jesus could, you know, they, they, were, they were on E and all of a sudden Jesus made a miracle happen and gave him half a tank of gas. My first thing is, picks or it didn't happen. All right. I'm sorry. Just, you can post any fucking claim you want online, mm-hmm. but that doesn't mean it's, it's reality. And... These people fucking take this shit and they run with it and it's, oh, well, America's fucking horrible and blah, blah, blah and this and that. And it's like, yeah, we got our fucking issues. And we, we, we ourselves on this show point them out constantly. But I don't know. I can't speak for you two, but I point them out and they irritate me so much because I know we're capable of being so much better than these fucking issues that we continue to have with this nonsense that we allow to bog us down as a country as a fucking species, period. But as mm-hmm. a country, if you really want to get, I guess, all flag waving about it. Well, well, right. There's a there's a lot of talk about how identity politics, social justice warriors. These are the people that gave us the right that we have now. The 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 um, when I say right, I mean um, the right leaning uh, people in this country. That that's a a backlash to you can stuff your identity politics where the sun doesn't shine, but I mean, how far back do you want to take this story? Because that in and of itself, this attitude of self hating white of America's not that great, it all comes from being told a story that they're finding out is bullshit. 
we told the story about about everything about what America represents, about what white people are, and what we supposedly represent, and it is all bullshit. It's this, the same reason why people are turning away from religion because they're realizing that this is. Oh wait, this is a crock of horseshit. Right. So, and and therefore you you throw out. I, look. I think we've, we've talked in depth about religion here before, and I, I'm against organized religion, but I am accepting of the fact that it uh, it does serve a, somewhat of a purpose and brought order to chaotic times, but also, you know, try it, they have their own story to try and control people and control the way people think and act. And when you find out that that story is bullshit, just like you find out that America isn't as as great as it's made out to be in the history book that you had in in school, then you're—I mean—you're going to react to that. So I don't know. I guess we did it to ourselves as a country, trying to pump up our own image, and and this idea that because we knew how to attract people who wanted to make money and we all made a lot of money very quickly and we became so dominant so quick in such a short period as a nation that back to back world war champs <laughs> right yeah the, the the saviors of the world were always the good guys i, I don't know if you're going to continue to push those kind of stories you're going to continue to get the backlash like this uh, idea that America is not so great not to it seems weird to kind of quote our own president in right. that way but that's really more of a, a liberal thing as we were talking about earlier well it's it's also when Obama was in office, our America wasn't great to the Republicans, and now America's be- becoming right. great again. And to the, to the left, because Trump's in office, America's not great. So you just take it. You know, Adam Carolla said it himself. He said, "Look, you know, if it's politics is sports. If you're a Steelers fan and the Patriots quarterback gets caught fucking with a DUI, you say throw the book at him. But when it's your quarterback that gets busted for a DUI, you say give him a week suspension and that's it. Come on." It's a DUI. Who hasn't drove drunk? Mm-hmm. You all of a sudden you become un- understanding, and that's and that's what it is. And that's why the the partisan politics, to the extent that we have now, are useless to me. And I and anyone who who just blindly attaches themselves to a side, I have to question their intelligence. Right, because it's all reactionary. It's all exactly. It's all. You're not driven by your own ideals. You're you're driven by the ideals of others. You're just saying, okay, whatever you say, I'm going to do the exact opposite of. I mean, it's it. And and this, as, this is a like, problem. This is not this this is not the type of climate you want to fucking tr- make a decision whether to go to war in. You don't go to yes. war to spite the other fucking side of the political aisle. All right. I mean, this is. Wait, all the jokes aside, all the bullshit aside, all the talking about fucking, you know, support the troops, whatever, individual as a group. These are fucking human lives we're talking about. Mm-hmm. And people are going to die. 
No, that's very valid because there's a lot of attitude from Trump that, like, this is something Obama would never do. Like, he pussyfooted around this. And all you got to do is tell Trump, that, that just like we were saying, Obama thinks X, Trump thinks Y, automatically, even though nothing's really changed. I mean, he likes to take credit for the economy, even though we understand that the economy doesn't change, not even overnight, but not over the course of six months. Just like our, our nuclear arsenal hasn't changed over the last six months. But he, he wants to take credit for that too. Look, hey, don't worry. If this goes into conflict, we've got the biggest nuclear arsenal ever, and it's all thanks to me because I put it into action when I, it's all uh, on my first day. Plated he, claims, he, he claims that his first action was to beef up our nuclear armory. And meanwhile, I got we a great know, deal. Guy met me in the back of the White House. <laughs> his first, uh, he had the van. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you want to buy some speakers? Van. Right. And a nuclear warhead. <laughs> we know that his first action was to a, dec- a presidential decree to end Obamacare, the scourge of the nation. And also that our nuclear armament hasn't changed over the last six months, hasn't changed since he was put into office, is in process of changing due to regulations that Obama put in place when he was in office. Okay, something else is clearly squirrely then. I think what we've found is there's two problems that are causing dropouts, and we only solved one of them. And we are back live. Thanks, Obama. Yeah, I know, right? It's Obama's fault, too. Um, I lost my train of thought. What were we talking about? Trump. <laughs> Trump. Trump. Well, yeah, you know, he's <laughs> he's actually quite busy for being on vacation. Yeah. We got to hear from him, you know, because of the sanctions that he basically had to sign because it passed with a, a veto-proof majority. And in reaction to the, the sanctions on Russia... Putin, like, I don't know, like half the the amount of uh, the people that work in the the embassy. And Trump took the opportunity to thank him for it because... I, it, what? It, because... I mean, I don't... Like, uh, this is this just came out in the last hour. I think this is recent. Yeah, and I, just, I, haven't I even saw it on NPR myself. I haven't even had a chance to look into it, but I can tell you right now, I mean, it all just goes into his plan of reducing the size of government, which, to his credit, that's actually one thing that, to to the Republicans, to, to conservatives' credit, that is one thing that is an actual issue. Most of their other, like, for all this criticism over the left has no message and the right has a message, no, there's no fucking message there. America first isn't a message. It is way more complicated than that. Being a self-sustaining nation is a great concept, but not a reality in any world. All, all their ideas, I mean, when they talk about smaller government, that's actually something that means something and you can do something about I will. The rest of it, the rest of it is just 
pure bullshit. I will say they, this. Look at the size of his campaign staff versus Hillary Clinton's campaign staff. No, absolutely. Okay, we know he's running too small of a government at this point still. He still has many appointments, and they're losing more people, too. Uh, what, uh, what's her name? The uh, Nikki Haley. Oh, what, she quit? No, she, no two, two people underneath her left. So, I mean, between firings, people leaving, they can barely keep the government staffed as it is. But that, that's besides the point. I mean, th- this idea that Republicans are winning because they have a message and, and uh, Democrats don't is, is bullshit. It's really because... Voters aren't willing to listen to your message if you can't get it down to one sentence with no commas. It's true. Hey, you know your audience. Well, I'm, it, we, we do have a very short attention span, and we do have a big aversion to, to facts. We are dumb. We don't want... We don't, <laughs> we don't want things... I, I cannot count how many videos... I've looked at that are 10 minutes or longer that'll explain something in detail and break down the facts of a situation that have 100, 200 views. And then I see a minute and a half video of someone doing smash cuts, you know, screaming into the camera, yelling snowflakes and triggered and that's got you know two million views, and at a certain point we've we've covered this subject. Yeah, we can get mad at the people who produce this shit, but we also have to understand we're the ones that are consuming it. Alex Jones mm-hmm. has an audience of six million people. Well, see, there's a, that's interesting though because Alex Jones does he does like three hour shows, right? I mean, for whatever sure. you want to think about the guy, he does. He's got a work ethic, and he seems to work his ass off of the show. I mean, it seems like a lot of it is is fairly repetitive as he visits the same, you know, does his greatest hits over and over again. Well, also, I didn't realize how much of it. Uh, I think it's a four hour show, but it's like literally an hour and a half of him pushing products with his right. brand. I yeah, didn't realize is, how much true. that was until I went and looked up at, and it was broke down on different websites and I'm like holy shit that's a lot yeah, of wasn't advertising it, uh, John Oliver the the infamous clip of him talking about you know they're putting chemicals in the water to make the freaking frogs gay like right after that he goes into pushing a water filtration system mm-hmm. yeah I mean he, like he's a preacher that's, he, that's what he is pure and simple I, he'll, he'll tell you that it's gonna rain blood from a lacerated sky, and but, so, so by the this umbrella, breath, and that's why you have to give to the church. I got these Alex Jones ponchos, so you can be saved. They're blood resistant. You can buy them, you know, one for one hundred dollars. We'll give you three for two fifty. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, I'll, I'll give him one over religion. At least he's selling a tangible product. It may be overpriced and useless, but you can actually—it's a—he's no worse than QVC. Yeah, yeah, 
You exactly. can get your Here's package one. in the mail. You're not getting saved through Amazon. No, isn't there that one thing that I sent to you guys? It's an actual commercial I've seen where you can get like your free bottle of Miracle Water or some shit like that. <laughs> well, okay, yeah. There's certain products. I love hearing about how the Bible's the number one selling book ever, and, and, and that's supposedly why it's so great. Like, uh, yeah, it's... I mean, I, I mean, the sure, sales from hotels and churches alone is probably what pushes you to number one all time. Right. I bet if you were able to run statistics, not that you could, but if you were able to run statistics on how many of those copies of the Bible actually got read cover to cover versus how many sold copies of Fifty Shades of Grey actually got read to cover to cover multiple times... And I bet that Gideon fucker was, was a Bible salesman. Yeah, I bet you Fifty Shades would come out on top on that. You find out the Gideons, or they work for a Bible company. Well, my 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 favorite is uh, the Bible is the most well written book in the history of literature, and I'm like, it is a horribly written Whose version. Book. It is complete. It is dense. It is impenetrable in parts. It's pretty preachy. It is ridiculous to present this as fact on top of it your new testament the gospels are based on people half the half the gospels are written by people who weren't even fucking alive or traveled with jesus so how the fuck do they know what happened (laughs) if you wrote this today it would have you know it'd be criticized oh this, this has like no plot structure to it the character development is very thin who, who is this guy, Jesus, anyways? What do we really know about him? <laughs> He's supposedly out, our main character, and we... Yeah, they point, out, they point out plot holes constantly, like, well, in the book of Exodus, at one point, Moses goes on top of the mountain, and he sees God's back turned to him as God walks away, so God's a giant, but at the same time... God's in a burning bush, so what is God? And if God's a giant, then why isn't there proof that he's walking around on the earth today? I mean, it's just... We we can sit here and just just poke enough holes in this fucking Bible to where, I mean, you know, you could throw it to every locked-up male in the United States and everybody could get their dick through a hole. I mean, it's just ridiculous. It's the biggest piece of Swiss cheese I've ever fucking seen that people somehow base their entire life on. But, whatever, some people base their entire life on fucking song lyrics well, so I, I mean I'm mean, glad to talk there's obviously some intelligent people that had input in, in there and because there are some things that just make sense and are boiled down to pure concepts that are actually real pure concepts not ab- not completely abstract it's, it's not completely devoid of useful information it's just kind of few and far in between it should be a pamphlet, really. I mean, I think you could get all the good shit out of the Bible in about 20 pages. If you cut out all the bullshit stories and all the repetitive shit and all the nonsense and who begat who and who gives a fuck. It all means don't be a dick. That's the Ten Commandments <laughs> also in one sentence. Don't be a dick. <laughs> well, my, my, my favorite with the Southern Baptists in my family is the whole, well, the New Testament is... God's new covenant with us and it invalidates all the laws and rules from the Old Testament so why the fuck do I got to sit through all these fucking books about laws and rules in the Old Testament then why the fuck do I because Jesus said so 
And how come when, you, when you're going to preach to me from this book, you're going to jump from the Old Testament to the New Testament and back and forth at will and draw connections there that are tenuous at best and just expect me to go along with it? I mean, it's... You know, and by the way, speaking of, if we're going to shit on religion, let's just let's just get down to the point of it. Did you hear fucking Trump's? This is first of all, I laughed my considerable ass off when I heard this. Trump's religious advisor. <laughs> oh no! Who, Do tell. Who's that? Uh, some pastor. Uh, he said that it's okay for Trump to go to war with North Korea sure. with God. Well, I'm glad you have the bat phone, the God. It's okay Mr. with religious God? Advisor. Yes. If he bombs another country? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Religion loves God to rationalize. God is cool with it. God is cool with us bombing the fuck out of a bunch of Asian people. I just flashed back to Full Metal Jacket with the, with the, the drill sergeant. God has a hard-on for Marines because we kill everything we see. We keep heaven filled with fresh souls. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, that's... Wait a minute. I don't think that's how that works. I, yeah. I've read the New Testament. Nowhere did it say, go blow the shit out of your enemy so we can have a long line at the pearly gates, you know? I've seen the word hard-on in the Bible anywhere. <laughs> but, yeah, I... Oh, God. This is... I don't know. I really hope... I hope... I God, I hope so much that this is all just... We're all... Ma- and when I say all of us, I'm talking the media, ourselves, people watching the media, listening to us, that we're all making mountains out of molehills with this North Korea thing. I hope nothing of... I hope nothing comes to pass. I hope this petulant little fucking child who's ruling this country in North... Well, that could go either way. In North Korea... Or America, just, just they just wave their dicks at each other, and that's all it is. And then there's the new hotness to get upset about with Trump two weeks from now, because this is this is the one thing I've been saying since we started this podcast. For all the shit talking and dicks and and and, and, and dicks wa- waving that America wants to do, we don't really fuck with people who have a chance of kicking our ass. Like we really haven't. We thought we could kick Vietnam's ass. The problem was you can't fight someone off in their backyard when you don't know their backyard like they do. On top of that, they used guerrilla tactics that we taught them against us. It was the exact opposite of what happened in the Revolutionary War. We became the British in red coats marching in line against people hiding in the tree line picking us off. I mean, Iraq, Afghanistan, we've already talked about that. But, I mean, even then, were we worried about them fucking lobbing missiles with nuclear warheads over here? No. Right. Have, we didn't fuck with... We, we've never... We, when have we fucked with Russia post-World War II besides the Cold War and the Bay of Pigs being the closest thing we had to a, to a major dust-up with them? We don't want none of China. That's for goddamn sure. And, and if Trump is concerned at all about his legacy, being the one... The, the president that under your watch we, you know, uh, fake God forbid, uh, have thousands or millions of, of citizens' deaths on your hands, doesn't look good. It's not a good look on the Trumpster. I, I, it's not a good look on anybody. Yeah, so I'm saying, I think he, I guess I'm consoling myself and thinking that he thinks enough of his own image and legacy that he wouldn't be willing to do something completely stupid that 
let's face it, most of what Trump says is all talk. There's no wall getting built. People will be kept out of this country for a little while. They'll come back in. They'll find other ways. Everything else will adjust. There's not going to be any big boom in jobs, even though he wants to take credit for every company that opens up a plant in this country. Mm-hmm. There's not going to be damn near anything that Trump said that he was going to accomplish actually happening. So what we really know about this guy is he is more shit-talking than probably any other previous politician. And this is just another one of him going off and and shit-talking about something that he's not ever going to do anything about. It's one of the most alpha male-y presidents we've had. I mean, I I would support him in doing something about the opioid crisis in this country if he actually manages to get something done about it. On it. We've talked about that. Uh, I mean, it's the same, it's the same way that, that, uh, that cops want to use possession charges to, to crack down on people they want to crack down on instead of actually going after the source of the perceived problem. And we know where the source is. The source is untouchable. The source is the boss. The people who are filtering all of this money into politicians' bank accounts, the pharmaceutical companies. So ultimately, I mean, I don't think Trump's going to be successful in this because he's not willing to, if he was willing to take on the pharmaceutical companies, and he did talk shit about it during this last row over what we're going to do over health care. But did anybody actually propose any legislation on either side to do something about prescription drugs, what gets to market, how much it actually costs? Because that's how half of them are there. Exactly. Election stickers cost money. So there's your swamp, people. Until treatment for, for drug abuse is more profitable than criminalizing it, there's never going to be a shift. And this is one of the problems that I have with capitalism. Because what, in the end, the people at the top are going, which one's more profitable? Oh, it's more profitable to, to lock people up in private prisons with mandatory minimums and draconian drug laws than it is to actually treat them. All right, fuck it. That's that's the route we're going to go because we're going to make sure that our shareholders get as much fucking bang for their buck as they can. Well, let's, let's be honest. Like, it that's short it's term. Short term. Yeah. No. Yeah, thank you. That's exactly what I was going to say. That's that not long term. Short term gain Keep versus them out of jail, they tenfold. They pay taxes for like thirty fucking years. If you're yeah. lucky, like fifty or sixty before they die. And you're telling me that right. so the, these the aren't U.S. auto industry is thinking long term. Was thinking long term. Fuck no. no. You're right. You're, well, that's the, the biggest the, the problem housing, with this the, country. The, the housing market was thinking long term during the boom in the early 2000s. Everything is short term thinking because we think everything moves fast. I, like I was talking about earlier. Look at how fast over 200 years this country has come. Uh, well, I mean it's a little more than that, but. No, in the last hundred years, it is amazing how tech, just in America, how how advanced we've become in technology. 
I mean, it was like, what, 100 years ago, it was 14% of homes had a phone in it. Now almost, what is it, 97% of the American population has a phone in their pocket? Right. Think, think about something that small. We, and we take it for granted. And by the way, that phone in our pocket can do more than the computers we learned and were playing Where in the World's Carmen San Diego and fucking Oregon Trail on when we were in fucking grade they school. They can do more than the computers that got us to the moon. Oh, yeah, that's easy. You know, I, it's... It's, it's just, you know, it, we, we have a lot of technology in the last hundred years that we that, that science fiction authors would have been hard-pressed to imagine. And we seem to want to use it to scare the shit out of ourselves. Or come. And, and, and well, mm-hmm. that's, another, that's another side of it. But, I mean, and that's that brave new world side of it. That's the opiate of the masses, you know. But that's, that's another subject for another day. But, no, seriously, think about it. The fact, okay, here is a fact that no news agency will fucking ever fucking say on their air because it won't get people to tune in. We live in the safest time to have ever lived on this planet right now. Life expectancy on this planet for every fucking buddy is the longest it has ever been. In recorded history, less people die from bullshit diseases than it has ever been in recorded history. That's longer for white males. We all right. <laughs> we work less. We have more leisure time. We have a different concept of family because of that. We have a different concept of actually fatherhood because of that. But 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 I mean I I get that. But just think about just from a fucking safety versus scare tactic issue. But what do we see every time we turn on the fucking news? Oh, God, another bombing. Oh, God, another mass shooting. Oh, God, this, this, uh, this, 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 this. Right. Okay, let's, not, let's, let's just gloss over the fact that, that 500 years ago in the Dark Ages, when, when cities went to war with other cities, that they would, you know, slaughter the entire fucking city, burn people alive kill women and children indiscriminately and that was everyday life that wars used to be fought that it was 10,000 people on one side of a fucking uh, of, of, of a field and 10,000 people on the other and you can guarantee the first 2,000 from each group to meet each other were going to die almost instantly but we live in the most violent time ever well that's no, we why I don't yeah I love the fuck out of um well, as much as I was disappointed that Jake Gyllenhaal didn't have a tail in the movie, Nightcrawler turned out to be a fantastic film. <laughs> and I'm glad, I, I'm, glad, I'm glad I'm not the only X-Men fan that was like, did I miss something? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so I, I, I know a lot of people look at that as, they look at that through the lens of, well, I don't know, movies that, that sensationalize violence and shit like that, like, uh, oh, what was the Oliver Stone film? Um, Natural Born, Born Killers. Killers. Right. But, you know, they also missed the point uh, that the media plays in Natural Born Killers. They missed it when it was, they basically took the, um, Robert Downey Jr.'s character in Natural Born Killers and made him the focus of the film and people still didn't get that it was about the media, that it wasn't about some guy who went nuts and decided to kill people for fame, glory, attention, whatever it was. That that's our fucking media. The media 
causes the problem, not causes, but decides what the problem is and then points your attention to it. So yeah, I'm not saying reporters are out there bombing shit and killing people so they can report on it. But that was the the bigger message that I got from that film is this idea of the media saying, well, look, this is, we're going to feed on your baser instincts and tell you what the problems are in this nation and focus on those things. And, and that's the, the bigger problem with the, the, the media in general. That's I mean, what I don't like. Stop telling is, me your story. Tell everybody's right. story. Tell the whole story. Is Russia the biggest story right now? You know, honestly, nobody fucking knows. We're all interested in it because we're trying to find out. To say it's the most important thing going on right now, well, no, it's under investigation. I'm a bit more concerned with North Korea at the moment, personally. If it's if it's the most if it turns out that there was shit going down, then yeah, that does become the most important. If it turns out it was all bullshit, then it was all a waste of time. So it can't automatically be the most important thing going on in the world. And is North Korea an important issue? Absolutely, 100%. I like to know a little bit what kind of relations we have with countries who also have nuclear weapons. If I'm going to wake up in the morning, the sky's going to be red. I want to know right. about it. You know, a major problem we have in this but, country with the average... Oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. Well, no, go ahead. Yeah, continue. I'm rambling a bit. With, with the average American is that they don't understand how media works. They don't understand the history of media, so they have no, no, no point of fact to pull from. Okay, case in point, if you say the fourth estate to most people younger than us, I guarantee you most of them won't know what the fuck we're talking about. Right. That's the media. That is, the, that is the news media. That is what the fourth estate is. Okay? If you mention the fairness doctrine, they won't know what the fuck we're talking about. Is that some shit from school? Fairness doctrine was a federal communications bill that was introduced in 1949 that said that anybody who had broadcast license, licenses had to present both sides of a controversial issue to the public so that one side... Not anymore. ...wasn't... Oh, <laughs> oh I'm going to get to that. But so that one side couldn't be sandbagged and the other side just swept under the rug. Or the, the, basically the political will of the station owner couldn't be asserted on, on air. Exactly. And under the big, white, great GOP daddy, Ronald Reagan, in 87, he pressured the FCC and they eliminated it in 87. And when did, Fox, when did the Fox Network come about? Uh, that same fucking year. All right, and then when did Fox News fucking come about? Not even a decade later. And then, if you want to even go there, when did MSNBC come about? Now we have fucking. Now we have the bullshit we have. We don't get news; we get opinions. We get talking heads as facts, and we wonder why we have two generations now who walk around going, "My facts, my feelings trump the facts in the situation." And yes, I'm including my own generation in that. I mean, this, we do not understand how media has been used since the very first printing press was put together to form and shape people's opinions 
and how powerful that is. We take it for granted. I mean, we 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 saying saying something's fake news is a fucking is a punchline now. Anything you don't like, you just out there. That's fake news. People say it as a joke. Fake news. Fake you news. Are fake news. Exactly. It. it the fucking so president not, said it. Two a reporter. It, I I just keep going back to you know to the to the song lyrics. If everything's possible, nothing's real. Then. I mean, I, you you can't. There, there's no critical thinking in the media, so there's no critical thinking in the masses. And do you think the government is, like, upset about that? Fuck no. They love that shit. It makes it easier for them to do their job. We, we literally know lobbyists are the ones who set the laws in this country, and we do nothing about it. We don't elect people who are going to go, well, we're going to get rid of lobbyists, because there's hardly any politicians that want to get rid of lobbyists. That's how they get paid. It's like saying, where did Shaq make all his money? Well, in college, everybody knows that. With the general, you know, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, how do politicians make their money? They ain't living as high off the hog as off of the, what they get paid for their fucking elected position. It's all the lobbyists. It's the back. It's the backroom deals, and it's the shit that that the media was supposed to report on. And at one point, in the not too distant past, did and they put an end to that, and they did it so efficiently. That we don't even talk about it. We don't even sit here and and miss the days of good night and good luck and Cronkite and and turning on the news and being able to see Gore Vidal having an intellectual debate with William Buckley. Because these people, our intellectual debates are John Stewart and fucking Bill O'Reilly. And I like John Stewart. And I guess Bill O'Reilly is amusing to some people. But they don't even hold a candle to fucking Buckley and, and Vidal. He's got an internet TV show coming. He's back. You know, Trevor Noah is considered intellectual these days. The Daily Show. Yeah. Bill Maher. Right? And I like these shows. I watch these shows. But it's like, it's like, getting, it's like getting stepped on heroin. I'm a junkie for fucking for information. And this is the, the closest to, to the shit that I can get to keep me from getting sick from going into withdrawals. Well, I think I watch Bill Maher because it's like a venting. I, I, you know, read all the same news stories that he's talking talking about on his show and thinking, what the fuck is going on here? And I want somebody else to go, what the fuck is going on here? So I can go, I know, right? Okay, I'm not alone. Like the whole world hasn't gone insane. Somebody else out there is saying, this is fucked up. You know, I don't, I don't watch a show for information. I mean, occasionally has a guest on who says something. You're like, "Wait a minute, I didn't know that. I got to look into that." That's why I. That's why I said a few episodes ago. But, I really miss guys like Christopher Hitchens who would get on that show, and you can yes. literally see him shrugging his shoulder at the audience. At one point, he literally turned and flipped off the audience and said, "You bunch <laughs> of fucking cows who who boo anything that you that, that you think your party doesn't want you to like or that your party doesn't disagree with. You don't even know the yeah. facts of the situation. You didn't That's even stop and think about need. what I just said. You just reacted. Exactly. Exactly. And that's where I think... Yeah, I wish Bill could get rid of his audience. In a perfect world, I, I would be a much more guttural and visceral version of, of Christopher Hitchens because I don't have a tenth of the man's fucking intellectual ability right yeah. but the but the man spoke truth 
and he stuck by facts and he didn't care who the facts offended because the facts aren't there to make you feel good or make you feel bad they're there for us to fucking do something about if you don't like this fact then we need to look at what we have to do to change this so this is no longer a fact if you don't like the fact that the that politicians are bought and sold before they're ever fucking elected then we need to change the system that allows them to do this but we, people don't want to hear that people want to hear people yelling at each other people want to hear you know oh you're a libtard you're a snowflake right. everybody's triggered let me tell you something anyone that tells anybody that says someone's triggered you know who the most triggered people are the ones running around telling people they're triggered that's the most triggered people there fucking are these days because those are people who are already pissed off and they're looking to fucking to, to, to project that onto somebody else and go, see, okay, right. oh, you're pissed off. Ooh, well, okay, right. fine. Yeah, and- this, is, this is how I know this white pride movement is all bullshit. Because when called on their shit, that's all they can ever say is, oh, look at this guy. He's triggered because I love white babies. I think we should have more white babies and this guy over here is cucking. He's triggered. And, and then I'm sitting over here like, you know what? I, I don't care if the baby's white. I hate most babies. <laughs> and and I don't right. give a fuck about being white. I just don't. It's not so. Aren't you proud of of of, of being white? No. Why would no? I don't want to come to the police. Right, comes in handy. Aren't you proud of being male? No. What did I do to choose being male? I know. Aren't you? Rich, aren't you proud to be born in the time that you were born in to have all this this leisure time and this technology? And I'm lucky to be born in the time I was born in because if I was born right. back in the time of Galileo, I'd have been I'd have been fucking in his situation because I'd have been like um, tell you narcissistic, you rich, you narcissistic fucks. You realize that everything doesn't revolve around us. Heresy. You have to renounce what you, what you just said, or else we're going to kill you. Well, I guess I'm going to die then. Because I, I... Look up. I'm sorry. I just, I'm not... I'm, maybe, maybe I got a little bit of New Hampshire in me. Live free or die or whatever the fuck. But I just... I'm, I'm not one to, like, take living on my knees. Like, lay, <laughs> to take living on my knees laying down. I just realized that I was about to say that. But you get my point. And... <laughs> I think so. <laughs> It's just you know contortionist. This is why. This is. Let's <laughs> spend time with Steve Bannon. <laughs> this is this is why I limit the circle of people I deal with as severely as I do because I, the older I get, the less patience I have for bullshit nonsense conversations. Mm-hmm. Yes, I love sports. I will talk sports with a fellow sports fan. But if every time I see you, the first word out of your mouth is, how about them tigers? We really don't have a whole lot in common. That's just you mean. Know? You know? Yeah, this year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, every year since 2014, basically. But, but no, I mean, I, I, at, at work, I have, I have a handful of people I can have in t- genuine conversations with not everything we talk about on the show some of the thing, some of the stuff we talk about on the show I end up talking to these people with and a handful of friends I can have these conversations with but I just went to a birthday party of a friend you know a couple of weeks ago and the conversation was dominated by and this is, this is, these are 40, 40 year old and older people pussy who can beat whose ass who can drink the most and who can do the most coke at the party ah uh, yes 
I am 40 years old. <laughs> Can I have a conversation that I didn't have in fucking high school, please? Can we evolve a little bit here? Right. Those are the situations where I actually want to have those types of conversations versus at work. Like, most of the people that I work with, there's a whole discussion for like an hour today about healthcare that I didn't say shit about. So I was like, well, most of you are completely wrong. The rest of you are assholes. But do I want to have that conversation? No. I'm just going to keep my head down and do my job. I mean, I thought... Yeah. You know what I, I think I, here? This will be a long day. Come on, it's <laughs> almost Friday. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm lucky in that aspect. I'm lucky in the aspect of the job I work lends itself to one-on-one conversations for fairly long periods and stretches of time. Yeah. You get you get you and I've seen it happen. You get like three, four people at work, like on the at the, at, at my workplace on the same shift. And you can actually almost like you know how you can feel the temperature drop and you turn the air on over the, the, the ten minutes after you hit the AC? You can actually feel the the intelligence of the conversation drop <laughs> quickly. Because it's like we have to talk about the lowest common denominator now. And it's not that people are right. dumb. It's just some people don't want to talk about this shit. And I get that. And so right. I don't impose my... It'd be I would be an asshole to walk around and be like, no, we have to talk about what I want to yeah. talk about. But it's the fallacy of if you're not part of the solution, you're part of the problem. This idea that if you're not confronting a racist when they say something racist, or you're not... You, you are just as bigoted as, uh, as the person who's speaking if you don't correct them on their bigoted ideas is a completely false notion. Are you just trying to blow them up idea on Twitter? That, like Liam that, Dunham? We, that, that we live in some ideal world. Look, we all have lives to live. And, you know, a, if somebody that you work with says some racist shit, I'm going to fucking let it slide and not say shit and probably think of excuses to not talk to them from there on out. And chances are they're going to get that reaction from a lot of people and it's going to be hard for them to advance in your average workplace if they're spouting off racist shit to their co-workers they will eventually get their comeuppance unless they manage to get employed by somebody like Fox News <laughs> <laughs> you know it's not my job to confront strangers to confront people that I have to do business with I mean, I'm not saying that it shouldn't that that it's not ever going to be a factor in it. If I own my own business and I'm looking to partner up with somebody who has completely wacko ideas about human beings, I'm going to go. I don't need that shit, and I'm not going to work with them. But if I'm working for somebody else, that's that's cutting me a check, and I have to then work with somebody that has some wacko thoughts about human beings, I'm going to go, uh-huh. So anyway, how do you want this to look on the PDF? Yeah. And that's going to be the end of it. And the same thing with, I mean, look, do I need to call out the guy on the bus? Some guy in the Walmart? We're in a new climate where you have, apparently it's a thing. Right, it's tantamount to saying because I don't, I wouldn't personally sleep with a transsexual 
that I'm bigoted against trans people. I'm glad Lena Dunham got caught lying. What, what's this, what are you talking about, Lena Dunham? What does she lie about? Uh, uh, she was uh, blowing up uh, some, uh, some, allegedly, some American Airlines employees on Twitter, like doing the shame at you, shame on you, American Airlines, because of some quote-unquote transphobic conversation. Well, American Airlines did a little digging about when their last flight out was and all this stuff. And, yeah, apparently the terminal she was in, American didn't even fly out of and all that shit. So this wasn't something that she was... She's being the shame in police. She, but no, to just clarify, though. This, wasn't some, this was something that she personally witnessed and was commenting on, not something that happened that she was like, oh, shame on you guys. Correct. It was, it was supposedly two employees walking you know, from a gate. That she terminal. overheard. Yes. Oh, God. Um, she must be a blast at parties. Oh, she is. You didn't hear about you didn't hear about when she met Odell Beckham Jr. Oh, I, I heard about all about that. Did, did you hear? Did you hear uh, Michael Rappaport's show this week? Hmm. Oh, it's like literally he tees off on her for like half an hour. <laughs> like literally, it like he did a show just to shit talk her. For like, but it, to to speak to what you had said, Aaron, about how you said you know if, if you were like I wouldn't knowingly get into a relationship sexual or otherwise with a transsexual and someone be like oh you're a transphobe right she she lena dunham went to a hollywood function odell beckham jr is a very well-known football player for the new york giants she ended up okay. sitting next to I him for a few, she ended up sitting next to him for a few minutes he basically was polite but not like flirty or anything with her and uh, so she instantly whipped out her phone and went on social media and was like, I guess I'm not pretty enough for Odell Beckham Jr. And if I was you a ain't. good looking, <laughs> blah, 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 blah. And it's like, okay, but here's also, the deal. If you just down, maybe also because she's a woman, but that's a different conversation. If, if, uh, if, right. if, <laughs> you think as millions of people turn in to see your pussy on HBO that everybody wants to bang you now? But you guys know as well, you guys know as well as I do, if he just sat down next to her and was like, Started spitting that fucking that I'm a fucking athlete game. What's up, baby? How you doing? She'd been like, "Oh my god, this disgusting man is sitting here making me uncomfortable." Blah blah blah. With toxic masculinity. Just shut up, bitch. All right. I here's the one thing I'll give Lena Dunham. She's got girl balls because that bitch looks like 150 pounds of chewed bubble gum, and she gets butt booty naked on her show quite a bit. I'm glad you're that secure in your body because I don't even take my shirt off in the shower. I don't want to see that mess. <laughs> All right, so good for you, sweetheart. I'm glad that you have that that kind of confidence. Besides that, you're pretty much absolutely useless. I don't find her amusing. I don't find her funny. I really don't find the show all that great. I've watched a few episodes of it and went, what the fuck is Adam Driver pissing away his fucking time on this show for? And besides, what's her face? The, the Brian Williams' daughter getting her ass eaten out in one episode. That's about the two two best things I ever saw on that show. So I, I just it's 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 nonsense. And it, she's she's upset because she overheard two people having a private conversation that she didn't agree with. Hmm. Okay. How long until fucking? Do you, how long? How long do you think a person like that? If if we could actually punish people for their thoughts, 
How long until a person like that was like, I'm on board with that. Let's do it. How dare they think that way? They don't have that right. 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 Well, I hesitate to use the word, but she is, isn't she kind of the definition of triggered? Personified? It, it, she's she's looking for an excuse. I, I don't know. In that in that aspect, yes, yeah. Well, it's 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 nothing new. I mean, it's something that we've been dealing with now for for I mean, we've been really dealing with it for the last five, you know, maybe ten years. But it's something that started when we were in high school. Mm-hmm. You know, the 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 the, the one up became a thing. Well, no, the one upmanship of what was me. If someone told you a story about growing up poor. And you were in a large enough group, you knew someone else was going to speak up and talk about, well, women, I was more poor than that. So my experience is more real. Getting in a pour off. You know, and it's it, it's just, it's like the article I, I sent to the to the group chat. You know, victimhood is, is, is the new accessory that people want to wear. You know, it used to be coach purses. Now it's, well, I'm a victim. And I'm more of a victim than you. And it's a losing game. Because I... I don't understand why people would want to walk around constantly seeing themselves as victims, but somehow they feel empowered by doing that. To me, empowerment is is going, oh, you want to treat me like a victim? I'll show you a victim and smacking the shit out of the person, proving that person wrong. Not going, oh, yeah, you're right, God. Yeah, this person victimized me, and I'm just, oh, woe is me. Life is hard. I just don't understand that. Well, you, you know, there's. I think that's an attitude that happens in some people that is just tough to impossible to actually change. What's more fearful is when a person is raised with these thoughts. Um, the idea that, okay, do we have a, a problem with police violence, police corruption in this country? Absolutely. It's something we should tackle. Is there something to be gained by telling your black child that the police will want to shoot you? No, there's nothing to be gained by that. And say, yeah, uh, Aaron, Aaron, that's not. I see. I get where you're going, uh-huh. but my dad told me flat out: you get pulled over, you act a fool. You're most likely going to end either end up with the shit beat out of you, arrested, or dead. But he, he there's one thing he didn't add that gave me this these glasses that I had to view the entire world through once he told me those things. He didn't say, and they're going to do that because you're white. He just told me when a cop pulls you over, if you cuss him out, if you refuse to do what he says, if you act like an asshole, these are the fucking possible consequences of your actions. Yeah. Well, when you're raising a kid and you go, well, this is what cops will do to you because you're black. Well, maybe that wasn't the the best example of the, the like point that, that I was trying to commercial? make. But okay, so I hear stories. Uh, the other day, I, I heard a story on NPR about the, the story was in general about our attitude to immigrations and immigrants and how that affects the the people who are immigrants to this country, literally all of us. And uh, they they talked to. Asian man, I don't remember where he was from, who came to this country. Now, this person had not uh, experienced any problems himself, right? He wasn't harassed by uh, by ICE. 
He wasn't detained for any reason. He isn't under suspicion, or he's a, nobody's trying to deport him. But he, in general, just feels like he's not as welcome here as um, as he thought he would be. And I sympathize with that, and I'm not saying that he's wrong for that. But when that bleeds over into he he wrapped up his comments by saying that. His own child, his worst fear, are is uh, immigration agents, ICE showing up, or somebody, some official, some police officer trying to kick him out of the country. And it used to be, you know, something stupid like the Babadook or something. I don't know. Uh. And like, well, why, why is that? Why is it that your kid? Fears who talks openly about his fears of somebody coming in and taking him away. Is it because of what the president says? Or is it because of what you said? Because when I was a kid, I didn't know what the fuck the president was saying. And I didn't care. It didn't make any difference to me. If something was important enough, my parents would let me know if it was my business. And if not, then then there it is. I mean... When, when we take these these fears of of the world, which may or may not be valid, regardless of whether or not they're valid, and try to imprint them early on our kids with this idea of, I'm sure that I'm sure the idea behind it is to be a good parent. You know, um, if you if you have a black child, it is just being a good parent to tell them that the police are out to get them and you got to watch your back. I understand that instinct. But how can you not see how that leads to uh, raising a whole generation of, of people who are are mistrustful of their government? It's the same way that people in my family, I grew up with, uh, surrounded by this. I never bought into it. Mm-hmm. Maybe because I never identified myself as a born again Christian, and I, I wasn't an evangelical Christian and all that shit. But you know, oh, the government hates us, society hates us. There's a war against us. I mean, I heard that constantly, and I'm looking around and I'm going, "Who the fuck is kicking down your front door, killing you for your religion?" Where? Yeah. I'm sorry, there's, there's, right. whether or not it's a church of your denomination, there's a church on damn near fucking, you can't go a mile without seeing one. That has something to do with the Christian denomination. Now, whether it be, you know, exactly a Southern Baptist or a Catholic church or a First Baptist, Presbyterian, whatever the fuck, it's not like if war broke out, they're all going to be like, well, it's the Baptist versus the Catholics. No, if a, if a holy war breaks out, it's going to be... Uh, Muslims versus the Christians. I mean, I would say like Hindus versus Christians, but Hindus, you know, they seem fucking so laid back. They'd be like, whatever it is, what it's it is. It's going to be more Can't of a culture it. war. Yeah. The Hindus fight their wars with their gods. But I mean, that's what, you know, they, that, that's. They do it right. <laughs> that's, that's something I heard all but my life growing up. people. All my life growing up, and I'm just looking around going, I don't, I don't see this. I'm sorry, and and to this day, I have family members who will go, you don't understand because you're not a Christian, you know, people tell you you're wrong. Okay, well, if that is someone de- declaring war on you, then people declare war on me on a day-to-day basis. I'm constantly told I'm wrong by other people. 
You're telling right. me that your your skin is so thin that you can't handle that? <laughs> Sometimes being wrong is just being wrong. Like believing yeah. the earth is flat. Yeah. And I mean that's that's what I've you know we've talked about on this show. It's happened on this show. We'll start a subject and by the time we get done with it, I'm like, you know what? I never looked at it like that until one of you guys explained it to me that way. I'm going to have to rethink where I'm coming from on this subject. Flip-flopper. Waffler. Yeah. Now people will call you. And so some people will call me, but those are the same people that need instructions on their fucking shampoo. <laughs> We're not talking about the intellectual elite here. I mean, tell me a scientist. Aaron and I had this conversation. Tell me a scientist who still believes every fucking scientific theory from 100 years ago is still ex exactly valid in the exact same way with no change 100 years later. And I'm going to show you a scientist that's not a scientist. That, that's, that's, that's a zealot. Right. It's the, the idea also that ties into this is, well, science is always proving itself wrong, so how can we trust it? And it's just a theory anyways. Well, yeah, you know why? Because the ultimate answer in science is, you know, what is life and why and all these, I mean, we, we may never get the, the biggest, the, the full picture of what's going on in our universe. There may be just things that are unknowable by us, but until we get there, we are constantly going to be proving ourselves wrong. God, I love that. Science, it's all a bunch of theories. So is gravity. So why don't you walk off the top of a high building, test that theory for me. I mean, we, we, can, we could use some bleach in a gene pool. Please I go mean, ahead and do so. Really? Can you even boil it down to science is what we know right now? Exactly. Yeah. Right. So, when we, what we know at guys, the moment. When, guys, when we were kids, we were taught that dinosaurs had more in common with lizards than any than any other creature now there's 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 now it's birds yes exactly all right i mean the, the new as new evidence presents itself you adjust you you add that to the equation and that is of course going to change the outcome and change your findings but the thing is with science you never go we're done we're done doing science forever. Close it down. We got this. We're all done sciencing. We figured out all the science. You've, yeah, no one will ever say that. And if they do, they're trying to sell you something. And that's not, once again, that's not a scientist. And, and we, we also, we're, we're so caught into, and, and yes, I get wrapped up in this. And this is one of the, you know, earlier this week, I was like, oh. And I don't really want to do the show this week because I was, I'm feeling that burnout. Because it's like, what solutions do we ever come up with? But the thing is, is that yeah, we come up with solutions, but most people are like, yeah, that's nice, but that's going to take work. That means I got to change something. I don't want to do that. You know, I go to the doctor, and the doctor's like, oh, you lost 20 pounds since the last time you were in here. What did you do to change your diet? And I'm sitting there getting ready to tell him a huge lie. And then finally, I was just like, just be honest with the motherfucker. And I was like, nothing really discernible. I'm a little bit more active. And he's like, well, that's good. He's like, so you're not eating better? I'm like, <laughs> Doc, I eat like shit. When I die, they can donate my body to science fiction. Okay. All right. Yeah, come on now. And he's like, well, I mean, I, I, you're 40. Do I need to tell you to change that? I said, no. 
but it, it change is hard. You get stuck in ways of thinking. You get stuck in ways of believing. You don't want to change that. You don't want to fucking go, I might have to do something different here. It was like that cartoon I sent you guys a few weeks ago. It's, was it, It's a guy standing in a, on a pulpit in the front of a room. says, who wants change? A whole room raises their hand. And he says, who wants to change? Nobody raises their hand. Right. Exactly. You know, and that's... The problem is the people who... the A lot of the people who want change and are willing to act upon it are... It's kind of like people that, you know, having the most kids. They're the last people that should be breeding. But for whatever reason, they're the most motivated. You know, I mean, people who, okay, well, we need to make America great again. Okay, well, we all know that there's people that say that, and they really do mean in the sense of we want to be number one in in education, number one in all the good stuff, you know, and let's strive towards that. But there's also a whole lot of people that when they say that, what they're saying is let's go back to the 50s. Let's go, let's go back to when blacks knew their place and gays weren't all in your face about it. Well, it's, yeah, that's the thing. That make America great again is not a message. Great for who? It's not a platform. It means absolutely fucking nothing. It means whatever the fuck you want it to. To some people, it means make America white again. To others, it means make America rich again. Make America have conservative values again. Make America more religious again. Whatever it is that you think that we should be more of fits into it. Well, the thing that scares me is, once again, the people who are, are willing to go to the greatest lengths for change are the people who are the, the, the zealots on both sides. I mean, look at what happened with the, that guy at Google this week. You know, I guess there was a memo that went through Google basically saying, uh, this is why we don't have this it, it, more women in the tech field. That was and it was stupid on that guy's part. Okay. But yeah, can we not down, defend this guy based on the fact that he's just a fucking idiot and can't, like, just... That was a memo full of shit you should have kept to yourself, homeboy. You put it on right. company stationery. <laughs> like, right. So this is like the racist guy at work. If he's going to talk openly, he's going to get his ass fucking fired. Like, To me, it reminded me of... you don't of know how to conduct that. yourself with as a businessman and keep your shitty opinions to yourself, you shouldn't be employed. See, I don't see... I, you guys, you guys... First time talking you guys, to people. You guys, are taking it, you guys are taking it from a perspective that I, I didn't take it from. To me, this is like... When Jerry Maguire had his crisis of conscience and wrote that fucking inner office menu or me- me- menu memo and sent it out, and then tried to pull it back and realized, oh shit, it's already been sent out, and everyone was like, "Well, you're done at this company." <laughs> and he was like, "How dare you fucking say that? You can't say that." I mean, I'm not defending how he went about it, right? But. There are no. facts that came in, that come into play that, that have to be addressed if we want change. If you want more women in the STEM fields, then women have to go fucking to college and get out of the fucking social sciences and go into the STEM fields. I'm sorry. Graduating with a bunch of fucking therapist degrees ain't going to fucking change a whole lot of shit at the top of the, in the STEM industries. It's just not. And I... You say that, and, oh, God, that's horrible. But, if, but what, what the fuck else do you want? 
What do you want? Do you want us to just start fucking putting people in there who aren't qualified, who didn't go to college for this shit, into these industries because of the genitalia they were born with? Or do you want people who went into these, went to college, got an education in these industries, and then go into them? And on top of that, let's be honest, mathematics, a lot of a lot of engineering, that's that's hard and fast. Either it works or it doesn't. There's not a lot of room for opinion and feelings and, well, what's your thoughts on this and what's your thoughts on this? Two plus two equals this number, and it's always going to equal this number. Yeah, there's not a lot of opinion in computer code. If, if this cog doesn't fit this cog, then the machines and then the cogs aren't going to spin each other, and the, kit, the machine isn't going to work. So, yes, I'm sorry. Take it up with biology. I'm not the one that, I'm not the one that fucking set the, 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 the wiring in people. Maybe, maybe, he's, maybe he was telling the truth. Maybe women are wired a little bit differently. They're wired more towards the feeling side of things, the talking things out. And maybe men are more wired towards the mechanical side. Does it work or doesn't work side of things? That's not sexist to say when the fucking facts prove that. That's not a hate fact, but that's what they call it. So what are we supposed to do to fix it then? Because we've given... We're telling you we've identified the problem, but because you don't like that we identified the problem and who it's coming from, then you're going to ignore the problem. And you're going to punish the fucking person who delivered the news. Well, this is it, this is killing the mailman because you don't like the letter he delivered. It, it is true, is it not, that this was a memo in response to a call to action to how they could hire more females, correct? I mean, this wasn't just like I've got this opinion and I suddenly want everybody else to know about it. <laughs> it's like you got a new this female is, boss and fired off an email. Aaron, is, I'm going yeah. I'm I'm to be honest with you, Aaron. I don't know because depending on what, what news source I read from, I get a completely different version. I don't know yeah. what the truth is. That is my understanding of it. I don't know the ultimate truth on it either because a lot of the reporting on this has been mostly opinion. And I mean, maybe that's all this is. Maybe you can't. I mean, I mean, I don't know. That's off on another thing. Uh, I believe that this was this was written as to why it's going to be difficult for he and others to get more female employees, and. It wasn't, it certainly was taken when out of context of that information, it was taken as here's why women can't be in the STEM field. And what he really meant was here's why more women can't be employed at Google right now because they're just not in the STEM field. And here's what I'm fighting against. It's not as easy to say. Well, you know, we just hire more of them. We just go and find them. You have to tackle it at the root of the problem. And how do you do that as a company like Google? He's saying that there's things that you can overcome. And whether it's true that it's like in the genetic code that most women tend to be, quote unquote, wired a certain way for certain behavior, whether that is actual genetics or whether it's, well, it's like nurture or nature, the, the age-old argument. You know, whether it's just the environment. Because, you know, we raise them like a girl and 
therefore they think like a girl, whether it's, uh, you know, whether or not it's that, it's almost from Google's perspective and this engineer's perspective, it's moot. It just is. It's just a fact, as you were saying. The problem they are, is that they are just oh, not sorry, there to be hired. Well, the problem is that people hear that and they go, okay, so why aren't women going and getting degrees to enter these fields? It must be because men dominate them and they don't want the women in them. Right. And to be honest with you, I don't know that I, I know a lot of people in the engineering and the IT fields, and I know women who work in those fields, and I don't see that very often. Of course, you're going to run into fucking, uh, uh, I mean, I'm talking true, true blue, you know, chauvinist, misogynist, bitch, get out of here. As long as you can do the job, you got the respect. I have a friend who works and writes computer code and had a female boss for years and respected the hell out of her. And as far as I understood, everybody who worked under her respected the hell out of her. But, and it, it was, there was never any, I never heard stories of like, oh man, there was an uprising at work because so-and-so was like, I ain't going to do that because you're a fucking woman and you ain't going to tell me what to do. But that is how it's being portrayed. Well, that's how come women don't enter these fields. Really? Well, right. But let me I mean, ask you this, though. That's Can coming you, up with a conclusion to, it's coming up with a conclusion before you've even studied the problem here. I have a kind There's of cynical viewpoint on this, though, because I feel like this is a company making a decision based on we don't want to have somebody on staff that's going to catch this much heat. We don't need that for our image. And that's their absolute right. They're a private and, company. They, they have the right to do that. Whereas, I mean, do you think that's exactly the case, or do you think this is more uh, actual people on the board or, or whatever involved in, in, in running Google or Alphabet actually having these politics that say what this guy said was offensive and I can't have him working for us anymore? I think that once you reach a certain level, it doesn't matter anymore. How you... You have to toe that line. Once you've reached a certain level of, of visibility right. with your company. I think it's kind of moot. It's the fact that, I mean, I think it's just that you have to deal with the reality that you shouldn't be fired for your opinion, but you definitely can be fired for your opinion. He was and it's fired for perpetuating gender stereotypes, according to him. Right. That they well, put on according the HR to form. That's according to him. I can't find anything, Rich. You're right. I can't find anything that says why this was. That can give me a, a solid reason about why this thing was yeah, written. This was from his anti-feminist manifesto, and he just decided to publish it to the company one day. I mean, I I did read that that this was a reaction to uh, a response to a direct call of action to get more female employees as engineers. And this is why he was saying, look, that you expect me to do this, and here's why I will never meet that goal. You know, if you, okay, so if his job was to say, he worked in the automotive industry, and they were like, well, we need you to design a car for $15,000 
that has all the bells and whistles and is self-driving and does everything and makes your coffee for you. And you can watch TV and it gets Wi-Fi and has 10,000 airbags in it. And you're just like, I can't fucking do it. Like, you don't just go to work and then wait to be fired one day when your car costs $50,000. You have to go to your bosses and say, I can't meet this goal and here's why. So here's, actually that is a statement of how do we tackle these problems? If this is the result you're, you want and I'm telling you why you can't get it, somewhere in there we're going to either find that it's not a possibility or we're going to find a solution to that problem and overcome it. It's not ultimately a statement of this will never happen. It has to, it, it's almost like a negotiation at that point. And I think that if it were be able to be viewed from that perspective by the majority of people, we wouldn't have this, all, this reaction to it. And we are, even though it is a complete memo, it is a complete letter, it is out of context. And really, any business memo is. You don't, unless you're willing to chase down and look at all the memos, all the, everybody's emails, and actually try and, and understand what was going on in that country, any one memo, any one email taken out of, is always going to be out of context. So, empirically, I defend him. I understand that he's right. I understand why he wrote it. But realistically... You had, you had to what know, are you, you know fighting? The room. You got to read the room better, it's buddy. It's the same thing that I was talking about earlier. I'm not going to call out the coworker because I've got a life to live. I'm not looking for a battle every time I turn around. Yes, there. There. I don't know. I'm frustrated. See, <laughs> see, see, but see, but here's what I'm saying. Here's what I'm saying. Yeah, I'm sitting here as we're talking about this subject and I'm having an internal fucking conversation with myself like how much do I want to say because if I'm going to be honest I'm going to piss off a lot of people so is it better just to keep my mouth shut and keep those people fucking happy and dumb than to speak fucking the truth I mean I don't know who the quote is attributed to it gets attributed to Orwell but Orwell didn't say it you know but it's it's a, it's a it's a, it's a quote it doesn't really matter who said it it's a quote that that in we're living in now when speaking the truth becomes in times of deceit speaking the truth becomes a revolutionary act when we can't speak facts without being called hateful and without attributing uh, some sort of oppression and hate to those facts then we are really 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 in a bad position mm-hmm. i mean i, well, I grew up I, think- in, I grew up in a family where women did the women did what, to me, was just, I didn't think of it as man work or, or, or woman work. But as I got older, I realized the rest of the world looked at it as, wait a minute, your grandmother fixes stuff around the house? And then when I got married, your wife put, put the, lock on the, the new lock on the door instead of you? That's a man's job. She's better at that shit than me. Why would I spend four hours and... 50 million cuss words to do it when she can do it in 20 minutes. Oh, yeah. I never looked at that as, I wasn't, I didn't feel emasculated because she did it. 
But people were saying, you should. Why should I? She's better at it. I don't hand her my guitar and say, play me fucking machine gun, note for note, because she ain't going to do it. Hey, around here, I do all the cooking because I'm the better cook. Been in those type of relationships, too. I don't... So I didn't. I, I, maybe it's because I didn't grow up with with things like fixing something on a car is what men do. Because I watched the women in my family do it, and I watched the men in my family do it. And a lot of times, be honest with you, I watched the women do it better than the men. Because my dad would eventually end up throwing something and cussing. <laughs> so. Mandy is way handier than me. Like my, I joke all the time. The best tool in my tool belt is my cell phone. She's like, no, fuck that. We can do this. We can do that. Like, she went to a garage sale the other day, bought a whole bunch of shit. Like, did a whole bunch of shit that I would never even think to do. All right, cool. You know, like the toolbox gets more use from her than it does me. I mean, I'm fine with that. I still have a penis and like girls. Two of the (laughs) two of two of the smartest young women I know, and I mean, they're 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 very good critical thinkers. They have a thirst for knowledge, they question things, they're able to think around corners, they'll be able to think in the abstract. They're going to college to be teachers. And I'm like, I, I it, it's a noble profession, but it's like, I almost feel like you guys could do anything and you want to be teachers. And I get it. I mean, it's, I'm not putting down teachers because it sounds like I am, but I'm not. But it's like, it's like if I, if I, if I had a, if, if I had a natural affinity towards astrophysics and I went and became a car mechanic, well, yeah, you know, if I fix someone's car so they can get to work, that's a noble profession. That's an honest job, all right? But if I could fucking come up with new theories to make us see the universe in a different way, but I just, I, I'm going to do that as a, I'm going to do that as my hobby in my spare time. I mean, what would you call that? Most people would go, well, why didn't you go down that route? I guarantee you someone would call me lazy, too. What, it was just too much work for you? But see, I don't even think that when I think of these two young, these young women I'm talking about. I just think this is what they want to do. They want to teach. But if, they, if they, they wanted to go into engineering, if they wanted to go into biochemistry, if they wanted to go into something like that, I have no doubt they could. But they don't want to. So that's the problem. If I, t- if I say that and someone's looking for a reason, a jump off point to start going, oh, he's a fucking chauvinist pig. They got their fucking, they got all the ammo they need right there. But that's what they want to do. And to me, it, isn't that what this memo was saying? Like, look, you want to attract more women into the field. We got to get women to get the education first. This is not a field that you can just go and, you know, do a 30-day fucking ITT tech thing and get into. You know, my buddy who writes code who didn't go to college, the only reason he got into it is because he fucking grew up teaching himself how to write code. And the right person, he will tell you this in his own words, the right person at the right time saw him and said, I'm hiring you for money that most college students don't make out of fucking after they graduate. Yeah. But the response is, he's telling us that we can't be scientists and engineers. And he's like, no, I'm telling you you don't want to be scientists and engineers and i can't do anything to change that if you don't want to be i can't change it i mean do we really want to get into the type of system to where the state tests you at a young age they find out what you have an affinity for what you don't and they put you in that type of schooling and that's the only schooling that's the only choice you have and that what japan does 
Do you think that if this man was interviewing a woman who had an engineering degree of some sort that was appropriate for the job he was uh, he was uh, looking to fill, that he would automatically think, well, she's not going to be my top candidate because women just aren't cut out for this shit. No, she went and got the education. It needs to be filled by someone with at least a double D. Well, see, I think I think honestly, the the irony is in most of these fields that we're talking about, especially engineering and IT, you can have all the education you want. Do you have the practical experience, and can you put it to use in the real world? And if yeah, the answer true. is yeah, if the answer is yes, you got the job. Right. And it's once again, these are this is this is just facts. This is just raw numbers. This is numbers coming out of colleges and universities themselves this is what the, this is the, the majority of women who come through our doors graduate with this type of degree it's usually in social sciences the men tend to gravitate more towards the stem industries there you go so are these universities sexist are you telling me these universities who have professors who can't even tell a fucking student to sit down and shut up when they're trying to give a lecture because they'll be threatened with physical violence are going to tell women that they have to go into the social sciences and they can't go into the STEM industries or the STEM field if they want to? I don't think so. But this is what we're being this is what we're being asked to believe is happening if this narrative is true. And I just don't buy it. I've been, I've I've known I've known people who who taught college college professors. Let me tell you something. Colleges don't give a fuck what you study as long as the check clears. If you want to be a professional student and have 20 fucking PhDs in bullshit that you'll never get a fucking career or a job that pays more than a McDonald's job does, they'll let you do it. They don't care as long as you keep the fucking checks coming and they, and they, and they don't bounce. Chris and I are the perfect example. We went to a school where they were like, like 95% of you aren't going to end up working in this field. <laughs> but we're going to take your check. Yeah. They all lined you up. And they're like, look to your left. Look to your right. Yeah. <laughs> kind of. Two, you will be gone in six months. I mean, I think it was Dick Kernan said out of, out of 50 students, two of them will end up being in this industry in 10 years. And then Craig Tucker, who was the video side, said... The video side, it's something around five students out of 50. Yeah, but also then take a poll of people who work in the industry and find out how many of them went to school for it. Exactly. Exactly. Same thing I'm experiencing in my job. I talked to guys who had years of training to to just start to do the job that I'm doing now, which is still introductory. And... I like how the fuck did you get this job again? Yeah. <laughs> and I just want to say like look it's it's like any job. Like have some basic skills, know how to apply them to what your boss is asking of you. And then give your boss and, what they ask of you. Yeah. Oh, I, I I work with a lot of degrees that aren't have nothing to do with what we do. Right. I mean, I understand that there's like certain things like if I was going to be a capital E engineer, Capitally, you know, well, not the lowercase like audio engineer that I am, or the, you know, just like I'm a lowercase d designer right now. I just make shapes on 
the computer and send them to people according to what they want, you know. But uh, you know, there are there are actual engineer jobs that involve having to actually know a shit ton of math and understand the properties of different things, and that's a whole different job, and that it requires a lot of schooling. Um, while as of the majority of the education that goes on in this country is just kind of preparing somebody for a mindset of what it's like to do this job. Yeah, we, we the uh, field experience is is uh, not a lot of weight to put on it anymore. Hey, you sat yeah. in a classroom for five and a half years. You get to have and this that, job now. And then when yeah, you crash well, and burn at it, they wonder why. Right. Because you're ultimately... I mean... Outside of having uh, a jump start on the concepts, what what really advantage do the guys that went to school for multiple years to get the same job that I did have? They got to live in a dorm. Because, because each job is different anyway. A meal plan. When it comes to that shit. Nubile co-eds. I don't know. I mean, if you want to talk about teachers, too, like, Richard, when I thought you said that... Uh, you had a friend tell you that they wanted to be a teacher. I would say the same. To me, it's like somebody saying that they want to be a politician. Hey, if that's what you want to do, more power to you. I hope that you do something to change the system, but you're probably just going to be like most other teachers. And I don't want to just slander teachers, but this idea that, I mean... Our education system is fucked up and is a disgrace, especially considering our supposed stature in the world. And most teachers are just a cog in a machine that continues to pump out problems. And this idea that we all have to congratulate them and they're heroes is fucking bullshit. And the heroes have radical ideas. And we don't want to hear any radical ideas about how to change anything. I mean, I, I'm not saying that, that that the DeVos version of privatizing it is the answer. Because, you know, I my, again, my kids go to a, uh, a charter school. I've said this before. I have no problems with the charter school. really dig the charter school. It may as well be a public school, though, at the end of the day. There's nothing radically different going on in their education at the charter schools. The, the, yeah, it's been two different ones. Well, it's about to be three that my kids have gone to. There's nothing radically different about them. They're not ultimately giving a better education to my kids. It's just, you know, one of the options that was there and that seemed like a better option. It seemed like the better school. That's all it came down to. Well, you know, I, I, about the last high school I went to in Michigan, it was in 93. And I had my, my homeroom teacher was also my band teacher and my psychology teacher. And when I say band, I'm talking two guitars, bass, drums, keyboard, singer. And we were doing like shit from the 60s up to like, you know, 
Pearl Jam songs in 93. That was my first hour band. And his name was Mr. Young. And he took joy in everything he... I would come into homeroom, and he was one of those annoying morning people. But because he was such... He loved his job so much, it became infectious. In, in 2007, I got a wild hair up my ass to try to track him down, and I did. I found him through email. And I emailed him, and we started talking about, you know... I want to thank him for helping me with everything. Thank him for helping me explain or explaining theory, music theory to me, helping me get an interest in psychology and, and sociology and et cetera, et cetera. And then the conversation turned to, so are you still doing the, you know, the, the, the band thing at, at the school and the psychology class and stuff. And then his tone changed in these emails and it was no, because kids today don't care they don't have the time they don't have the time patience to sit down and learn and i can't sit down and correct them if they play a chord a wrong way or if they're playing a part a wrong way because they take it personally and the school the school got rid of the psychology class in favor of like some uh i can't remember what the name of it but it was like some sort of Social studies, but not social studies class. I, I can't, I, I can't remember the exact name of it. And I was just like, you know, damn, Mr. Young, you sound like you, you know, you've thrown the towel in. And he responded with, "It's because I've now almost had 30 years of doing this, and it just beats you down after so long. You get tired of fighting for every single inch, because for every." For every inch, he, and he said this, for every inch he got to fight to get to that, to, to where we could have that type of band. He goes, because look, these kids that are coming in, they don't give a fuck about playing violins and violas. These kids are coming in, and they've been playing guitar and bass and drums and shit like that since they're seven, eight, nine, ten years old. These are the type of kids that I can teach music theory to and, and really get them involved in music. And finally, the school relented. And, and, I mean, he always, when I was there, there was kids coming back from 10 years before going, thank you, Mr. Young, for doing this, and we appreciate it. And they'd come in and sit in with us in first hour, and we'd jam and shit. And he's like, it's just not like that anymore. And part of it's the kids. This is according to him. This is just one man's opinion. He goes, part of it's the kids. A lot of it is to do with the parents these days. And the other part is the school is just like, we don't see that as, how does that help us on the standardized test that we have to get these kids to pass? Yeah, man. My, my favorite teacher as well from high school, Mr. G, Mr. Glacius. Apparently no longer the music teacher. He went back to school, now he's a guidance counselor. Ain't that a bitch? Not even doing what he's good at. I don't know, maybe he's a good guidance counselor. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, that, that's, that speaks to exactly what you were saying, Aaron. You know, yeah, you hope they go in, you hope they change something, but the odds are that the, the system is going to fucking grind them up in the gears and spit them out with a fucking, yeah. you know, they're going to, if they're lucky, they'll get well, tenure and a pension when they retire. Yeah, and, but, and also, it's not like they don't have the ability to organize. You know, teachers manage to organize for, look, I believe that they are underpaid, I think that's a, I, I can agree with that, but also, I mean, I want. I think if off. you could if you could organize if you could organize enough to affect your pay rate, 
you could also organize enough to affect actual change in what is uh, in, in the curriculum, basically. I mean, I know that in a lot of ways their hands are tied because we are now by law bound to this ill-fitting form of... Well, it's not even ill-fitting. It's taking one way of learning and applying it to everyone and not understanding Dude, that there are multiple ways of learning. I was shown some and common this, core math. The way they're taught to do long division, holy shit! Wow. Yeah, I I tried to help my daughter with the with their math, and I was I'm like, and what we the were fuck going back and forth. I was like, "Well, this is how you do it," and she was like, "No, that's not how we do it." And I was like, "Okay, you show me," and she showed me, and we got the same answer. And I'm like, "Have you seen how they're taught to do multiplication?" But your but, but your way's messed up. Like the way that they, the way that I, the only way I can really explain it is that I was taught math in ways that I was able to think more abstractly about numbers and group them differently in your head, right? And count by, I mean, it's almost like being able to count by different bases, like base 12. Um, the guy who engineers uh, Penn, Penn Sunday School is like on the spectrum and it was his birthday and it was a big birthday for him because he was listing off in all the different bases like in base 12 I'm 40 and in base 10 I'm 60 and in base 8 and went on and could rattle it all off and they were all even numbers but anyway that that's more I mean and not everybody thinks about numbers in that way either and I'm horrible with math I'm not saying I'm like some sort of genius that's just the way that I learned how to do it the way that they teach them now breaks it down so that you're almost constantly just counting every fucking number. Shortcuts are bad. You have to go the long way. If you want to add, you know, this number to that number, you're counting all the way up. Yeah, Mandy used to and substitute teach, and she showed me how they have to teach math now, and it blew my fucking mind. Like, what? That's so much writing? That's so much extra work? Like... No wonder right. they're all and fucking stupid. <coughs> <coughs> Sorry. And it's because it's it's keeping everything in in the concrete of I don't know how you're gonna prepare anybody for algebra, much less anything beyond that that you need algebra for. Who did that? W? Is that his because fault? Why mo most people like you know, mathematics and geometry are fairly concrete. You know, even though numbers are an abstract concept, we have ten fingers and we can use them to count off and we can envision what these quantities look like. And geometry represents real things that are tangible in the world. Algebra is like magic. And I've always had it... Sorcery. I, I blame the way I was teached. Uh, teached. <laughs> Obviously, exactly. English, they Englished you up real good. <laughs> I, you know, I, I, th I had a really bad teacher for algebra, and I did very poorly in it. But I, but I, I think it's because I, he was, I was unable to get the concept of what I was supposed to be doing with it you know same here it was concrete in the way that it was just the process and you're constantly screaming to what end 
what why what does any of this really this this inability to translate it to the world around you and it all does and it all it describes all that but i don't know how you're ever going to if if you're constantly in the concrete of the process itself and the thing itself and what it represents you're and that goes not just to I mean, Matt's a good example of that, but we use that for everything else that it applies even less so to. History is memorized dates still and names and places. It's kind of what it is. Well, and and no surface history is that to really study history, you have to study the things that were happening behind the scenes that made history happen the way it did. That's where you get into the meat of. To me, that's if I'm a history teacher, yes, remember the dates to puke out on a test, but why did this happen? That's what I want to know. All right, history. That's what I, mean, I would want from my, my students. History, history is taught concretely like it exists in time, and time is constantly linear, not just the way that we experience it. And if you, you can take a kid and explain to them that there is something going on between these cycles that that humanity goes to. If you're constantly laying out the timeline, not just in like, well, America started here, and this is then was our first president after the Revolutionary War, and eventually that got us up to the... Uh, the uh, Civil War, and then that got us up to World War II, or World War One, and then World War Two, and it, it's just linear. And there's no talking about like I think why history class didn't really engage me on any level is because because so much of of history is constantly repeating. It should be told more like a Tarantino film (laughs) than just a straight, this happened, this happened, this happened. That tells you nothing. And you'll never get an idea of the bigger picture of, of what history is. So it's kind of like the same experience that I had in algebra class. I didn't see to what end. You have to say why as well as how. You have facts of history, but you have no greater understanding of the concept of history and its value. It's supposed to keep and, you from making the same stupid mistakes again. Right. And, you know, this is where a lot of this n- not willing to, this concept of politicizing our education. You know, we have these teachers that we send them in there and they, they're supposed to be teaching history and they're talking, they're equating it to like, uh, you know, um, if, if a professor said, well, what Hitler was doing in practice here, not what he actually, not talking about what he actually ex- executed, but the way that he was conducting himself here is similar to how Trump is conducting himself here, right? So the message is, you're saying that our president's a Nazi, Trump's a Nazi, that's ridiculous, that's just your opinion. No, this is understanding history. This is understanding types of people that pop up in our history and how to easily identify them. It's not a... I mean, when, you, when, a, comp, when a valid comparison is made between Trump and, and, and Hitler, it's 
when you're not talking about when you can just not and you it's you can't really talk about Hitler and not talk about quote unquote accomplishments what they <laughs> what they actually a- actually achieved if you're anti-Semitic you refer to those good old days <laughs> right but that's what I'm saying like it, it, to teach history you have to tie it into current events. And to say that you're politicizing history is laughable because it's all politics. I mean, who writes the history? The victors. It's true. The losers' chapter is always pretty fucking short. Was it one from the uh, ancient Greek days? Hey, who's inside that horse? And you know these are these are just my opinions, and maybe if I had the the capabilities to teach, which, well, I mean I can't say I don't have the capabilities. I can teach somebody how to like do some shit, but a group, <laughs> of, but a group of kids, like hell no. <laughs> Pretty good on a one on one situation though. Uh, I'd, I wanted to be a music teacher most of the time I was in high school and as soon as I started job shadowing with the music teacher I was like oh this like, is not going to this is yeah. not going to work out yeah like was, uh, he was teaching the fifth graders beginning band uh, but, I was like well, about a month into that I was like nope not for yeah. me but yeah, so like I'm saying I'm not I'm not spouting all this shit off like I've got all the answers on how to reform our education system. But I do understand that there's a lot of ways that I learn that weren't used to reach out to me when I was in elementary school, high school, any small amount of higher education that I took on after that. Did you want the cool teacher who'd come in? Just up his stuff. Is that what you were aiming for? And you know what, too? I, Come in there's guys some, in a Ben some, Franklin outfit holding the kite. The, uh, the social justice warriors are going to have to understand that if you're going to have a better education system, you're going to have to have some actual experimentation going on in there. Because that's how all of the sh- anything advances. It all advances through ex- experimentation. Our science, our engineering, all of our technology. People might have to know Jefferson our, Davis is. Our ways of thinking and our evolution all had an element of chaos in them. And if you're going to make changes, there's going to be elements of chaos. Sometimes education isn't always going to be pretty. Sometimes it's going to offend people. Sometimes it's going to make... I mean, if you're not offending some people, are you really changing anyone's mind? No, and that's where, sadly, I was... I I mean, I was at least sold this bill of goods growing up. You know, I would go to school and I would question things. And they would, I would eventually have teachers go, okay, uh, Richard, put your hand down. You don't have to question everything. This isn't going to be on the test, blah, blah, blah. And I'd go home and go, why is it like this? And my family would go, well, when you get to college, it'll be different. When you get to college, they want to have discussions. They want to have debates. 
high school and, and, and middle school and grade school is about teaching you the basics. Stuff that we really, they don't want to debate. They don't want to debate why a chair is called a chair with you there. And I mean, it wasn't a bad example, but it's the one that, that my dad would constantly use. And I'm like, okay, I got you, I got you. But then I look at colleges and I, t- and I, and I, I, I read, you know, professors, you know, the, 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 the blog postings, the papers they write, and that's just not welcome in, in college anymore. It's the one side is presented and the other side is shut down. There is no debate. And when there is debate, it's considered a hostile space because somebody's going to get their feelings hurt because somebody's going to be told you're wrong. And apparently, that's that's on that's like uh, I, I guess being told you're wrong these days to some people is like on par with being gut shot. I personally think that a lot of this outrage over um, over young students supposedly being exposed to radical ideas that this will radicalize our chi- our children. Um, is kind of misplaced basement. It's it's misplaced blame for your own shitty parenting ultimately. Like if you raised a reasonable kid, they will have their own bullshit detector. And there's sometimes where crazy people have little gems of wisdom that can actually be useful. You know? It, you could have uh it is possible to learn something from somebody who thinks that 9-11 was an inside job. <laughs> like, they don't... Just because that that you're they're on a personal level full of shit doesn't mean that a discussion with them is completely useless. If only the end result is, that is complete bullshit. I know it for sure now. And now I know how to identify easier these people that spout bullshit. Mm-hmm. That's that's a very useful skill. The Ring Infowars t-shirt. But we have the same concept that we have with germs. Oh, we found out germs cause almost everything. Hmm. I learned you know that in what? fourth grade, like, you know what? 25 years ago. No, no more germs. We got we to gotta find ways to get germs out of our life completely. We're now trying to struggle with the fact that, oh wait, most germs are good, and we're killing off a lot of good ones, too. Did I miss a meeting? What meeting? That's like fourth grade science. What's what's fourth grade science? Germs are everything, good and bad. That's how you build up your immune system. If you are completely raised, if you're raised in a completely sterile environment, your immune system is going to be shit. And I, and yes, that is part of the problem because I I do notice this and this yeah once again I guess we're finally fucking almost three hours into the show and get off my lawn millennials but I, it's that gener- <laughs> it's that generation who's got to have the hand sanitizer everywhere and they don't I don't use bar soap because it's got germs on it it's soap motherfucker are you kidding me I mean like. No, I gotta have my 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 loofah scrunchie and my my liquid bar soap, my antibacterial this, and I gotta have my. And it's like, oh my yeah, god! Don't be and knocking guys, the loofah scrunchie. Those things are nice. And you guys, and you guys, yeah. I guess if, if you want to exfoliate, I don't know. I don't give a fuck about exfoliate. They lather up nice. Exfoliation. 
But no, I mean, it's just, it's, it's, the, it's the overcorrection. I'm so glad you fucking used that term because I've been searching for it and it was right in front of me and I couldn't find it. So thank you for, for enlightening me to that term, Aaron. It's the overcorrection of it. Well, I'm That's afraid of germs. freeway accidents happen. Yeah, exactly, exactly, exactly. That's why they tell you, you know, don't steer into the fucking slide when you're on the ice. Don't fucking fight it because once the wheels do catch, you're most likely going to fly in a different direction. Yep. But I mean... But it's something as simple as having a conversation with with the college a college metaphor person. there. I just can't apply it properly. It's it's, it's it's as simple as having a conversation with a with a college age person who's convinced. And I mean, if you've listened to this show, I'm obviously I'm out of the three of us. I'm the most on the fence about capitalism. But if you if you have a conversation with a college age person and they're convinced that that socialism is the only way to go, and I go, okay, well then do me one favor here. Let's start this conversation on this. Show me a country where socialism worked. And not for a short period of time, but show me where it worked, how it worked, the way you were taught it on paper. And I get, well, you're just an apologist, you're just an apologist for, for capitalism, and you, you won't understand it. And I, there's no point in debating you. <laughs> You're one of those alt-right people, aren't you? And it's, Stop giving me excuses and give me a fucking answer to the question I even, that I asked I you. Think, I think I the answer is... Answer question. The, the answer is socialism is a solution to a, a possible solution for any given problem the same way that anything is. I mean, like <laughs> socialism, communism, even, uh, you know... It, it, these don't have to lead to totalitarian government. This don't have to lead to oppression. When you live them as a way of life, this one concept, yes, it all tends to. And the same way that capitalism does. It's, instead of realizing that capitalism is a good solution to certain economies, right? If we break down that and consider that we don't ultimately have one economy. We have a, an amalgamation of many, many co economies in this country. And some of the, you know, capitalism works really well for those and for others, not so much. For, in some situations, it allows businesses to grow and others, it stifles creativity when it leads to things like monopolies and reduces competition, which is bad for everyone. But it's just a possible answer. It's not a way of life. Just like so many things. That, look, I'm a huge comic book fan. It is not a way of life for me. <laughs> it was not. Wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. Was that Chris that went, eh? Yeah. Okay, all right. Well, I mean, yeah, I read a lot of comics, and yeah, I wear some T-shirts that have comic book characters on them, and I'm not... What? Do you go think it's about my... But it's a hobby. That's true. Wait, you, you think this guy reads comics, he can't start some shit? Capital <laughs> capitalism is a, is a hobby for this country. And ultimately, capitalism is baked into the idea of this country. The idea of this country is to be adaptable because rigid countries fall eventually. 
and only one that can adapt to its people has the ability just to thrive. And that's what got us to this point. But now we're locked into this. Well, this is the, the only thing that's worked so far. Like when we started, capitalism was like, yeah, this is going to make us huge in, this, in the world. And it has. And so that, now that's our way of life. And so now the idea of anything socialist, of anything communist, is antithetical to capitalism. Well, you also, I also run into a problem when I'm having a conversation with someone who's trying to tell me that capitalism is a complete failure, but they can't tell me the difference between communism and socialism, let alone the difference between supply-side and demand-side economics. And I'm going... Okay, are are you are you wading into waters way above your pay grade? Because if you are, there's look, there's no shame in not knowing something. I mean, if I if I felt that way, and you know, maybe 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 that's a generational thing, to where because of the internet, younger generations are like, well, I, I should know this, so I don't want to admit I don't know something because then I'm going to look stupid. Because I have the a world of information at my fingertips. But think about it. When we started playing all our instruments, we, uh, we had to ask questions. We didn't know shit. It was okay not to know. It's okay not to know how the modes relate to the major scale. You had to learn that. You didn't just wake up with fucking that knowledge in your head. You didn't just, like, just, you know... <laughs> Take one guitar lesson and that's it. I'm done. I don't need to know anymore. Peace. I'm done. Yeah. No, you know, I am not arguing with you, Rich, but you do under. I, I assume you do. I mean, it's really difficult to say that you don't know. I'm not talking like, hey, you know, have you seen this movie? No, I don't know what that movie is. No. I mean, I get in, in my current job, like I said, I'm still a kind of entry level at it and I get asked fairly frequently what's going on with X project and ultimately my answer should be I don't know <laughs> because everybody else is busy with their own projects and I'm kind of reliant on, on, on help for a lot of things still and so it's like I have to kind of pester but I also have to understand that they've, they're trying to hit some deadline and my project is also not a priority and so if I just sit here and stew for two hours, that's cool. But, yeah, I mean, my boss came up to me, hey, what's up with that Bose thing that you're working on? And I was like, um, you know, uh, well, um, I was talking to Brian about it um, yesterday, and uh, when ultimately I should have just said, I don't know. And that eventually came out. But it's a very difficult thing to actually say, but is it difficult because you're, you're you're afraid of the consequences of saying that, or is it difficult? I think it's because, more a matter of pride. Okay, then to me, I mean, I'm I'm not trying to I'm not trying to be flippant or cavalier about it, but sure, dude, no. you gotta get you gotta get over that shit, man. No, I know. I'm I'm 100 percent in agreement with you, but I also don't think that I'm a minority. It's I think most people are built that way, and. I don't know. <laughs> there, I just said it. <laughs> I, I don't you know. know. I, I don't I, know. <laughs> and and I understand that I'm I'm wired a little bit differently when I get into something because 
I dig into it as much as I can. Like any guitar player I got into, I I even dug into like their childhoods, why they, you know, who who you know, okay, these are the musicians that they idolized when they first started playing. Okay, well, where did they hear those musicians from? Was it the radio? Was it their family? Did they grow up in a house hearing that music? You know, because if you just, and just for an example, the reason I am, I, I, I get into it like that is because I grew up in a house here in Motown and blues and R&B all the time. And it just seeped into me, like through osmosis. When I've picked up a guitar, that's just the feel, it's the feel I had in my playing without even trying. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I also have a Middle Eastern type f- sensibility to my playing. I don't know where it came from. You know, and so I dug into that, and then I found out, oh, it's not that different. You know, some of these, some of these blues scales, quote unquote, aren't that different from you know Middle Eastern scales, and blah 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 right. blah blah, and this and that. And it, boom, the light went on in my head, and I was like, ah, I got it now. And my, I've had friends that sit there and go, dude, that's just. You're putting way too much thought into playing guitar. Just fucking play the fucking thing, all right? And I'm like, maybe I am, but this is how, this is my process. This is how I work things out. And I guess I was lucky enough to be in a family where the majority of them was like, if you have a question, ask. And if they didn't know the answer, they would go, well, I'm not really sure. Because I remember clear as day, I, I was a kid and I asked, it was a cloudy day out, and I asked my grandfather why the, the sky looked that way, and he said, because it's broken. And my dad lost his fucking mind. He's like, mm-hmm. thanks. Thanks, Jim. Now my child's going to walk around saying, every time it's a cloudy day, the sky's broken, like he's a fucking retard. <laughs> Thank you. Appreciate that. Well, you couldn't just say it was cloudy out? <laughs> well, he's going to ask me why, and I don't know why. Well, then he'll... But at least he'll... It's better than him walking around going, the sky is broken at five years old, Jim. Don't you understand that? You know, and it's like, I remember that argument at a family barbecue, and I was like, oh, okay. It stuck with me, but it's. Well, I guess you know, I just, I, I'm weird like that, is what I'm getting I, at. I think that. Um, how do I put this? It's not so much about that I don't that I think that I need to say that I don't know every time that I don't. I think it's more about understanding when it's to your advantage to admit that you don't know because there are situations, there's plenty of times in my life where I've acted like I knew what the fuck was going on and ended up learning something. Yeah, I call it the first few times I had sex. Right. No, that's that's a perfect example. Act as if. Now, there's, like, for example, I'll use my job as an example again. There's certain guys that I work with in my office that are really good teachers, and there's others that are not. And that's not a judgment call. Certain people have that skill, and others don't. So... If I get into a conversation, I don't know how to do this and try and have them show me, I'm not likely to get a lot from that. Whereas if I'm just able to work alongside them and absorb, I, I'm going to, through osmosis actually, get a lot more than that 10-minute one-on-one session of them going, 
oh, you don't know how to do this? Well, dude, it's in this menu. Like, here, let me see your mouse. Okay, so it's up here. You click on this and go over here. But you got to do this checkbox and, and deactivate this thing before you say okay. All right? And then boom, 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 and you're done. And that's how you do it. No, that's not how you fucking do it. Like, ultimately, how I learn my job is learning the bigger concepts in it. And it's like anything. Like, people are afraid of most... Understanding any piece of software is understanding its primary objective. After that, it's just figuring out how things are laid out in a menu. Yeah, clicking around, you know, trial and error. Right, so I, I went to... I took some schooling to be a... Uh, you know, the lowercase engineer, audio engineer. But I didn't learn how to really use any software. I had a fairly good understanding of my software going into it, actually, because I was able to use it a lot and figure out on my own how things worked. And, you know, some of that, when you're talking about basic concepts, okay, yeah, it goes a lot quicker when you just have a book or somebody telling you, like, here's how you do it, and you do this and that, and you're like, oh, well, that kind of makes sense. Let's do it that way. It's much quicker, too, than a, the ass-backwards way I was doing it anyway. It, you know, I'm not saying that there's never advantage to that information. But when you're able to know how to say, I don't know and I need you to provide me with some information so I can not have to say that again so the next time the situation comes up I have an answer versus uh, oh yeah yeah kind of going along with it and absorbing <laughs> I don't know how else to put it it like sounds so hippy dippy but it's like learning through osmosis oh man everybody works differently you know, people often can't show you directly how they apply their knowledge to what they do. They think they can show you by describing some process, telling you about a conversation, showing you how to do something on a computer. But most of it is just through having your eyes open and knowing how to read people a little bit and, uh, and understanding how they apply their knowledge as they practice it. That's why I think... We don't put enough uh, importance on the concept of internship or, um, I mean, I know in, in like trade crafts and stuff, there's still uh, apprenticeship programs and stuff like that. But I, I don't know why it's only for building shit that we consider that to be an advantage or working in the entertainment industry or in politics when really that concept can be applied to any job. Yeah. Again, it's, we kind of downplay the value of the lack of field experience of that no, approach. And maybe this is the downside of a, of a uh, private education system, a for-profit education system that has an advantage to say to look down on apprenticeships and internships unless they get them for you and you know look down on people who don't work their way up through their quote-unquote traditional system of education Mm -hmm. to achieve what they want to do i mean most of my radio internships were just watching right yeah Yeah. the i'm not saying that my 
my experience in education for uh, being an audio engineer was worthless. It's that what I got was being, I got a lot out of being in a room with a bunch of other guys who wanted to be audio engineers, you know? Exactly. And, and, and that's where, that's something that higher education usually does really well. And you might even argue is its main purpose because, you know, I didn't grow up around a lot of musicians in general, much less techie musicians. And pre-internet, you kind of lived a lot more in a bubble. You might be able to find some magazines to subscribe to. Those are the good old days. Well, that's, what, that's You didn't that's, have a community, and, you know, I, honestly, uh, if that is the strongest point of higher education, then it's being phased out by the Internet. Well, that's, that's, I, I actually had this conversation with a, with a buddy of mine. I said, I think it's actually harder I these days. That. It's harder these days for, like, a musician to have the stick for lack of a better word, because that's not a word, um, to learn an instrument. Because it, it seems counterintuitive, and it's, it's ironic, but you have the Internet. You can go on. You can take thousands of dollars worth of guitar, drums, bass lessons, whatever, for free. But the problem is there's so much shit to choose from. And it's easy to get sidetracked. See, almost you have to have almost a, 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 a laser-like focus these days, even more than when I was younger. Because when I was younger, man, I was real lucky. I found a little mom-and-pop guitar shop, and I just fucking I just wedged myself in there. And I was surrounded by musicians, and I did exactly what Chris said he did on most of his internships at radio stations. I sat and watched. And I watched guys come in from shredders to... Joe Pass wannabes to guys playing fucking Les Paul and Mark Knopfler and, and everything in between you can imagine on the spectrum and just soaked it all up and it yeah. taught me probably it taught me probably more than if I'd have taken lessons for three years unless I had a really good teacher who could who who taught the way that I learned which is which is always hard to find which goes back to everybody learns different. Well, you know what's interesting to me about music class, and it certainly there's not as much importance put on it, and you can almost understand it from the argument's sake of like, well, if we're doing so poorly and all these other things, if we're so shitty at teaching kids math and, and history and, and social studies and all that other shit, then why shouldn't we be concentrating more on it? Surely that's more important. But music class I don't think it's understood as well as in the education that you get from it because it's applied learning you're actually applying actively all the things that you're learning in all of your other classes how much math is in music how much history is in music involved in deciding you know why we even have these fucking scales how much social studies is involved in music, especially when it comes to playing with other people. Even a solo artist is playing for other people. 
these are all practical applications of the thi- of everything else that a child is learning in school. So not only are we going to have practical applications taught in the classes, we're not going to we're going to consider any actual application of that to real world experience extracurricular. Well, yeah. And I mean, is there any is there any more of a way of jumping into the deep end on how to on socialization and how to work within a group than have to sit there and figure out how to work within a band? Yeah. That's trial by fire right there. I mean, I think that's why so many bands fall apart is because so many musicians spent so much bedroom time sitting cross-legged on their bed through their teenage years that they are socially awkward and they get into a, a band situation and they don't have the interpersonal skills to deal with people in a in a in a I mean this is gonna sound touchy feely as fuck and I guess I'm gonna put ribbons in my hair or flowers in my hair and skip off to San Francisco but you know deal with people in a you know with interpersonal relationships in an appropriate way because I know guys that come in that are monsters musically but they can't they don't know how to go um hey man that that part you're playing this one part's wrong right here but the rest of it's all right it's like they they just it's like they're autistic or something they're just like you're not playing that right and it's like dude whoa calm down you know what i'm saying <laughs> i mean yeah <laughs> I, just show me how to play it the way you want me to play it and everything will be fine it's not the end of the world and i know guys that are, are monsters on their instruments that the minute something goes wrong they get frustrated and they throw their hands up and they quit and I've dealt with that a lot in bands. The first bump in the road, there's guys that are fucking hopping off the, you know, hopping out of the, 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 the clown car. And I'm like, whoa, 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 where are you going? If you're going to jump ship at the first sign of trouble, then what the fuck are you even wasting your time doing this for? Oh, other musicians. So I don't have to deal with them anymore. But, I mean, think about it. If you're in a, if you're, if you're in a band class, like, in, like a traditional band class, you have to learn how every instrument works with other instruments. Oh, yeah. You have to you have to learn your place in the song. I, mean, I forgot one. Even biology, Wait. you kind of have to learn how either your fingers work, how your ears work, how your eyes work, some, how your uh, uh, lips work, and your tongue, and your lungs. Well, the best musicians I've played with when it comes to a jamming situation are the guys that. We don't have to talk. We can just give looks to and take cues from each other by a nod here, a look over to the drummer here. Okay, we're coming back around to this part, and everybody falls into place. Nonverbal communication is an art form that is slowly being lost in this world. Well, you know, some of it is about that, but I think a lot more of that that communication that goes on when you want to talk about, like, improvised settings, it isn't even... A, necessarily about the the head nod or catching somebody's eye more often than not it's about what note you played how you played it where you decided to place it it's a little bit early it was a little bit late it was a little bit sharp a little bit flat there's something in the way that you hit that note or that instrument in a way that made another person do that and it's not chaos there's a communication there in the actual notes played. 
Yeah. I, yeah. So let your ears lead you. It's and it's it's also once again something that, and I'm guilty of this. The older I get, because the less I, I especially not being in band situations or a work situation to where I'm dealing with a lot of people at one time, I find my ability to listen to what's going on around me kind of deteriorating. The the longer it's been since I've been into a band because. Or the longer it's been since I've been in a job where, you know, like I said, most of my most of my job is one on one, one on one. I mean, I can have someone walk into my job and they're pissed off, and I'll send them out five minutes later laughing and smiling. I got that bullshit charm down. I don't know where it comes from. I just have it. You know, right. I work with people who can't do that. Who the minute a person walks through the door, boom, they got their their customer voice on. Right. But but the the ultimate reward for. Uh, all of the supplied education the su- is actually a new way of learning because music has built into it a reward system that that rewards to, uh, coming up with solutions for problems. You want to be able to play this like somebody else or make this feel like something that's in your head or sound a certain way. Or resolve this have, phrase. And you have to figure that out. I mean, some of it is, yeah, In look, look in the book. Have the teacher show you. Here's where you put your finger. Here's where the notes are. But that's just scratching the surface, as anybody knows. And and the real magic that happens in music is is kind of intangible and unexplainable. But you... When a person has music just as a part of their education, they can take that new way of learning things and new ways of solving problems and apply that to everything else. So it's it's all a cycle. And when you... And I'll say this too. It's not just music. This applies to sports as well. Mm-hmm. And certainly sports aren't in as much danger as music education is, but it's the same thing. I mean, gym class, whatever. Gym class is bullshit. (laughs) (laughs) We can tell tell who vouched out when he he, he got the chance to. (laughs) I ain't climbing that rope. That's stupid. (laughs) (laughs) I climbed the fucking thing. But... But actual organized sports working as a team is all extracurricular. Oh, definitely. I, I, my, mean, my, I, I think I, you should you should have to carve out an hour in your day. And if you don't want to do music, you should do sports. And if you don't want to do either of those two things, you better come up with a third option that's equally as good because I can't think of one that is that has it. That is teach you how to work applying, with people. You are applying your learning, and you are also coming up with new ways to find solutions to things, and it's all it all works because it's all based on a on a reward system. Sure, some kids are rewarded by the grade and the acknowledgement and the approval. Not everyone. I mean, ultimately, yeah, you are because the approval is the the nod or the pat on the back when you make the touchdown and everybody cheers or or you really nail that song and somebody cries and you know it's it's all based on a reward system 
but we've got this idea that well you know the reward is the is the education and the good grades and and the way we're going to get that is by making them memorize all this shit so they can really ace this test doesn't really sound like a sound strategy oh not, i didn't mean even to do that but i see what i did there it, it, it really nice. you know what the more we talk about this the more i think that honestly stuff like music education like you said sports and there's a, there's a few other things that that i mean sports they can monetize so there's incentive beyond you know like a band like band at school mm-hmm. you know so but still i mean how much of what you really learn in school do you use in day-to-day life? I mean, once you know the basics of math, most people don't really move beyond maybe simple algebra in their day-to-day life. Oh, right, yeah. Most people, even if they love history, it doesn't apply to day-to-day life. Same thing with English. Same thing with chemistry. But these these other things that are have been cut out of schools in the last twenty twenty five years. Oh, see, no, no, you're wrong. I just I have to say it. There are some like higher math, yes, but math everybody applies on a daily basis. So if you're going to generalize, let's generalize. Math is applicable. Every yeah, I said that. I said once you get past the basic algebra, it's basically anything above basic algebra, how is that applicable in everyday life? For yeah, most but then you're cutting wide slices when you talk about just history in general is non applicable. That's certainly not the case. Chemistry is applicable every day. Uh, all all these things, English is applicable every day. At its core, English is just understanding language, and that's something that we use every day. Okay, then maybe maybe I'm not expressing myself properly here. I'm talking about like English degree, knowledge of literature is what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. How many times are you going to find yourself at your job talking about Conrad's Heart of Darkness in relation to Apocalypse Now, in relation to et cetera, et cetera? Uh, not very often. That's right. what I'm getting at. But, th- and I, but th- I take your point. There's too much. It's. Maybe we're focusing too much on certain things uh, too quickly because you can have a basic understanding of math and then understand that whatever field you have that, that you could possibly get into that you would need to apply these higher forms of math is not going to be for you. Then you can move on. And you, know, you should be introduced to literature, certainly, but this idea all the way up through high school you have certain books that you are required to read is kind of ridiculous. If you've given the person an education in uh, literature in general, they're going to be inspired to find the things that inspire them. No, and don't get me wrong. I'm not... Because I'm constantly shocked how many high school graduates, people are in college that I talk to that haven't read, like, Steinbeck. And I'm like, that's fucking middle school, isn't it? Of mice and men, didn't? Yeah, it's like yeah. seventh, I mean, eighth grade. Yeah, you know, you mentioned you mentioned anything besides 1984 about Orwell, and they're like, you mentioned Animal Farm, and they're like, what's that? Lord of the Flies. Oh, I mean, Mockingbird. It, that book's racist. <laughs> it's a totally different subject. Don't get me started on it. But yeah, <laughs> no, I mean, yeah, but it's, but still, I mean. 
these are things that I don't know. I just it's nice to know them, but in day to day life, it's not a subject that comes up on a day in day out basis. Getting to right. being able to work within a group, being able to understand, like okay, if you take just football, Chris will understand exactly what I'm saying. When you see a football play executed perfectly and it goes for the touchdown, to where all eleven players did their job exactly the way they were supposed to, it's like a fucking, it's like a thing of beauty because most it is. football plays are broken plays. Somebody blows an assignment, and so. Someone else has to improvise on the spot to try to keep the play alive to make forward progress down the field. Someone misses a block. Someone runs a runs wrong route. Someone doesn't throw to the right receiver or overthrows him, et cetera, et cetera. And so... When the plan comes together, oh, it is. It's a thing of beauty. And, and, and I think... Light your cigar like Hannibal. <laughs> but I mean it's the same thing the same thing with music like I said when you sit in a room with 15 other musicians and you all are playing a song that if you play it by yourself yeah okay you can see you have some talent but you put it all together and it becomes it becomes a, an actual song instead of parts of a song pieces of a puzzle that's not put together that's you learn it sucks that kids going through school these days. That's not. That's not. If it's not. If those programs aren't cut out, they're definitely not fucking stressed. I mean, isn't music basically an elective at this point? Once you get out yeah. of like grade school and they and they make you buy that fucking ten dollar recorder and the plastic pouch. Uh, well, certainly, if you're not driven by music in general, then you're not going to find yourself in a music class. There's nobody. Uh, well, I can't say nobody, but there's, in my experience, there's not a lot of recruiting going on out there. Yeah, if you if once you reach high school, if if music isn't if you're not passionate about it, you can pretty much avoid yeah. a music class. I think if I was to sum up my views on education, clearly I'm not cut out to be a teacher. I clearly don't have all the answers to what it would take to change our our education system for the better. What I do know, though, is that. What currently is going on is not working, and that's speaking empirically. I'm just looking at facts. Wait, you can't do that anymore. And how do you feel about the and education we have we have built such a structure around our current educational system that it, it makes it very difficult for us to tear that down. That we have now, I mean, fucking, I can't, I'm not going to blame it on, on No Child Left Behind, but when we started deciding that federal laws needed to be applied to make sure that every child got the quote-unquote same education, that was kind of like the death nail in our education system. But yeah, it, and again, if... It's not nothing's going to change unless you're willing to introduce some chaotic elements into it and have some experimentation going on. Yeah, we're we as Americans, we're just we're not really we're not really cut out for that. I mean, just think back to the fucking think back to the metric system. 
<laughs> I'm old enough to remember the tail end of that, and that was just they. It just seemed like somewhere around second, third grade, they just gave up on it and stopped teaching it to us. It's <laughs> like, right. what? Are, what did I learn centimeters for? We never talk about it no yeah. more. Shut up. Everyone's yeah. like, if you guys just stick with base ten, it makes everything way easier. Like, yeah, we haven't exactly settled down on base ten yet. We kind of like this twelve inches and a foot thing. I mean, I don't know. It's just crazy. Yeah. 12 inches in my Subway sandwich. Well, yeah. How many feet do you need to go up then? Well, three. If three feet in the yard. Yes. Oh. Right? We we wandered off the the path tonight, huh, guys? How many feet in a mile then? I don't know, like a thousand and some? Some odd number. I don't know why. (laughs) 5,280. Yeah, but it's funny because... Hey, Rain Man, go count the toothpicks. <laughs> <laughs> Any, anyone, anyone I know my age who really knows the metric system very well was either in the military or sold drugs at some point. Born in Canada. <laughs> 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 they can break down kilos like you can't believe. <laughs> kilos, grams, ounces. <laughs> so, yeah, that's in the military, military's like, we don't give a fuck what you learn in school. We're going to go by clicks. Fuck miles. Yeah. Get used to it. All right. Well, at least we didn't. At least we didn't end with. Uh, can we just do this? Uh, two, just two things, real quick. One, can we skip the war with North Korea and just have these two enter the Thunderdome? Yeah, no, right. One man enter and two men, in, or two men enter, one man leaves. Or just have a pay per view where they both show us their dicks, and we just get it all over with. I and think a, a worldwide applause-o-meter would be appropriate. And they don't even have to say anything. Like, you both know these freaks. They're just going to put them up on a stage, all right? Who thinks that Kim Jong-il is crazier? And everybody applaud. They're gonna, <laughs> Who thinks Trump gonna, is crazier? It's going to be like Showtime or Amateur Night the Apollo. There's going to be a little kiki <laughs> with her hand Sam over man's going to come out and take one of them off stage. Brush them off stage. Yeah. <laughs> I also think, I feel confident in saying Kim Jong-il's crazier than Trump. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm not saying it's by a mile, but it's by enough. Yeah. Kim, Kim Jong-il is, 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 is totalitarian, dictator crazy, mixed with, like, Michael Jackson lived in his own world crazy. There may be like, a hyperbaric <laughs> chamber in his bedroom. We don't know. Yeah. yeah. Well, the other thing is... Yeah, it's also, like, the, a t- it's Tom Cruise to Michael Jackson. That's what it is. And, and, and my other idea was, um, if if we don't, if we do end up going the, the the Thunderdome route and Trump wins, can we get someone besides his old lady to give him a blowjob so we can get him out of office here? I mean, ser- seriously, this is just ridiculous. <laughs> it's not like enough, a dude. It's not enough. I think that's a. You'd have to have a dude in a turban. <laughs> blowing him on Facebook Live, wrapped in a Mexican flag. Oh, who's that? Who's that? Uh, Lebanese porn star, Mia Ka- Kafka. Yeah, there you go. And piss <laughs> off his base. Get her to blow him. We can get her out of retirement. Come, come on, Mia. Take a hit for the country. You've taken a shot in the jaw before. Take one from President Cheeto. Come on. Damn. Wow. I mean, we started with death and destruction. Might as well end with a blowjob. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, I did tell somebody this week on Twitter they had a little bit of self-tanner on the corner of their mouth there. <laughs> <laughs> Christ. 
Uh, it's, it's like a Batman episode now. Tune in next week. Fuck knows what's gonna happen in the next seven days. Uh, oh, is next week will like have been back a year? God is oh, a okay. Oh, uh, jeez, time flies. Oh, and and can we make this promise to our audience? If the nuclear missiles start flying like dead zone, like you know, like style, where he's like, "Praise the Lord, we're gonna bomb New- North Korea." Can we hop on and do a live show before the world ends? <laughs> All right. <laughs> Special. The fire and fury. Yeah. That's a good idea. Heads up, listeners. If we're, all, if we're facing ultimate destruction, we're going to be doing a live stream. The end of the world podcast. So if, you, if you hear something that sounds like someone suspiciously jerking off in the background, it's just me getting one last one in before the fucking missiles hit, okay? One more time! <laughs> I, I'm going to be like, where's that Tracy Lord's porn? Fuck it, the FBI ain't going to come after me after this shit anyway, so... <laughs> I don't know. I'm gonna want to be in studio for that one. I think there's, it's in a basement. Probably a lot of lead paint in there too. Sure, shield us. Fire and fury, spectacular. We'll just throw you in a fucking uh, refrigerator. Yeah, uh, 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 Indiana Jones style. You'd be all right. Get you in a Kendrick blow up doll. Yeah, and then I'll finally get to live out my dream, my childhood dream of uh, of Night of the Comet. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Holy shit, you're the only other person to ever bring that movie up to me. Oh, I've tried really? to tell people about them, and they're like, what, Night of the Creeps? I'm like, no, it's a good one too, but Night of the Comet, yes. it's no, Night of the Comet is kind of perfect because it freaked me the fuck out to think that that could happen, but also made me kind of want it to happen because the idea of just being able to have the whole world to yourself. All right, Burgess Which, Meredith. Remember, if you break your reading glasses, it doesn't do you any good. (laughs) (laughs) There we go. Happy note. On that note, everybody, thank you to everybody who has been listening, downloading, sharing, whatever the fuck you're doing. You're doing it more than you've been doing it the previous month for like the last six months. So thank you. We are at Unregimented Pod on Twitter. At Unregimented on Instagram. You can email the show, Unregimented, at ChristopherMedia.net. Oh, yeah. Should, should we start making wacky predictions at the end of the show? Or just get a dartboard and start throwing three darts? I don't know. I mean, do I want to be wrong again? And, and if it comes true. Uh, I don't episode. know. Something happens. <laughs> There's no way. It's like this... the worst game of Clue ever. Trump in the, you know, blank with whatever. You know? At the end of the show, creative juices Trump. aren't flowing as much. Yeah, Trump mad lives will get old quick. Yeah. So, well, we'll just catch everybody next week. See ya. All right. All right, later, guys.
If you like this show, please tell a friend. Please follow us on Twitter and like and share us on Facebook by searching for Christopher Media. You can subscribe to all ChristopherMedia.net shows for free on ChristopherMedia.net. Please make sure to rate and comment on all your favorite Christopher Media shows. Thank you in advance for supporting Christopher Media by clicking on the PayPal button and by clicking through to all the sponsors who support ChristopherMedia.net. Thank you for visiting ChristopherMedia.net. And thank you for listening. Thank you for visiting ChristopherMedia.net.